This is Dan Jurgens. You are listening to and enjoying the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master of disaster, Josh45. Hello. And we're joined by the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Hello there. And I'm CBS. Yes, you are. Also, hello there. Uh, see, today we are doing episode number 197. You know, timing in the world, I think this is going to be the last episode for the year. So, uh, true. I want to thank all the listeners for hanging with us and, you know, following us throughout the year. And if you are new to the show and this is your first episode, we'll go back because there's others, you know, lots and lots of others. Especially that never-been-done crossover one. Yeah. It was the one right before this one. Yeah, yes. it was good. Number 196. Um, yeah, so as far as uh, stuff, the books we're going to be doing today is uh, Fantastic Four, number one, from 2022, from Marvel. Uh, Image Comics, uh, Hell to Pay, number one. And uh, from DC Comics, Wildcats, number one, 2022 series. It's the newest Wildcats. Uh, and after that, we're going to interview with uh, my buddy Danny. Uh, from the Colorado Springs Comic Con, I'll run for you guys. Um, but before all of that, do we have any news? What's in the news? What's in the news? What's in the news? Well, Mr. Brown, do you want to open up first? Sure. Uh, the Sandman Universe. DC reveals the future of the sequel imprint in 2023. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty exciting. I like that universe. I think it's cool. I haven't read a ton of it, but I've read a little um, few few issues here and there, and I everything I've read I've enjoyed. So I haven't read it all. I'm working on it, but well, it's a lot of material to go over. I mean, yeah, there's a ton. I know there's a ton. Yeah, yeah, there's just the main series has a ton of issues, and then there's a bunch of side issues. Actually, we ordered a set of those in for a, a fellow for his son for Christmas this year, and the. Uh, Hardcover omnibuses, they come in like they're bound yeah. so pretty. I've man. seen those, yeah, they're really cool. Wow, like it's material wise, it is a lot of material, but uh, and they are and they're not cheap, but uh, they are very impressive books. Like the way they're bound is really awesome. So, the Sandman Universe Nightmare Country, the Glass House, will launch on April 4th, 2023. All right, we did just have a mini series that was uh, Nightmare Country as well that just ended as far as a series of books. This was, uh, Oh, Nightmare Country. Yeah, okay. I see. That's what I was looking at. Yeah. Uh, Tiling-wise, I don't know if it's the same story or not. I mean, I feel like there's a couple different stories in that franchise of, of titles. Uh, but yeah, as far as the thing, I mean, the first series they did a pretty good job with, so I think it'll be neat to see a second series. Absolutely. Uh, only real piece of news I have, well, I guess we have two pieces. Um, so Barbaric is going to be releasing a soft cover for both Volume 1 and Volume 2 at the same time. As their launch for Barbaric Caesars Series 3. Uh, if you've listened to the show at all, you know that this is a book that we enjoy. We both had uh, Michael Morisi and uh, Nathan uh, Gooden, the uh, writer and the artist in the book, on the show several episodes ago. And uh, as far as a thing, uh, it's only been in hardcover for Volume 1 up until I think the release date for it is in January. So we're getting close to it. Um, it's either January or February, and I don't remember. That's too bad. But they're going to be releasing both of them on the same day. So if you... Uh, have only seen stuff or heard about it on the internet, you'll be able to get the first volume and the second volume in the same same time frame as the third series starting. So that should be really cool. 
uh, being neat to have another run of books from the Dose 2 because the whole series for that's been fantastic. I like it a lot. Um, so, I mean, there's that. There's a little bit of news, I guess. Oh, and the first volume is for the volume one. They're going to do it $10. They'll do it uh, at a cheaper price point so you can get into it. So that's nice. pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, the only other piece of real news that I have that isn't big bombshell news is, uh, according to BoundingIntoComics.com, Warner Brothers allegedly is directing DC Comics, is being sued, rather, um, by Chris Wozniak. Oh, huh, okay. Wozniak, thank you. Wow. Um, apparently an idea that he had in his 1990 run of, of Batman, the, of Batman, was with the Riddler, was used in The Batman. Hmm. So he's suing Warner Brothers at this point, or, or allegedly. Wow, well, okay. Good. <laughs> uh, a month ago, we reported uh, that comic creator Chris Wozniak was taking legal action against DC Comics and Warner Brothers for similarities between The Batman and his outline from a 1990 for a sort of final blow story for The Dark Knight. Like the film, Woz- man, I'm going to trip over that name, Wozniak. Treat Wozniak's treatment would battle the Riddler in a game of wits that brings the hero to the edge. Um, and he just kind of, the article goes on to talk about that's, you know, many things that are similar between what he wrote and um, what was shared in the film. All right. I mean, it's interesting. I guess we'll have to see where that goes. That's kind of crazy. I kind of thought so too. Yeah. A little, a little bit. I mean, as far as stories, there's, I mean, there's a ton of real stories. So like, where is where's the line at? I guess I guess it depends on how similar they are. So I guess we'll see. Well, the article. Oh, oh, I didn't read all this. Oh, apparently, Warner Brothers allegedly directing DC Comics to sue comic creator Chris Wozniak for writing an unauthorized Batman story. Oh, there's this. Oh, someone's gonna have to look into this. I didn't read this whole article. We don't have time for it, but there's a wow. So they're suing him as well, saying that. Saying that he wrote an unauthorized Batman story. Wow. Huh. It's a lot like, uh, so he's several years ago, uh, which I've told this story on this podcast before. Um, the co-creator of Modern Ghost Rider got himself in trouble for making Xerox copies of covers of comic books and then selling them at conventions and signing them as the creator of Ghost Rider. Now he was the creator, yeah. the co-creator of the modern version of Ghost Rider. Um, but not necessarily the actual creator. Now, that's not the part that's the problem. The part that's the problem is that he was Xeroxing copies of, of covers of comics and selling those. Um, so basically forgery reproductions to sign, uh, which is, it, had he not tried to sue Marvel for money from the first Nick Cage movie, chances are nothing would have come of it. He'd still be doing it today. Uh, but he did file a lawsuit wanting f- money from the first Nick Cage movie. And that made Marvel pay attention to him. So, uh, when they caught him selling basically, like, exactly Xerox copies of issues of books and signing them, that, uh, anyway, he lost, was fined a bunch of money. And then, uh, at this point, he's not allowed to make appearances as the co-creator. So, yeah, I mean, it was rough as far as the thing. I was only at one convention with that guy. Yeah. He, he was, uh, at the, uh, contagion outbreak, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska that we did as a, as a store. In hindsight, do I wish I would have bought one of his prints? Yes, yeah, I do. absolutely, yeah, I do. But uh, I did not, and uh, you know, much to my chagrin, I guess. Be just one more thing in the collection of things. One more thing, <laughs> as a thing in the same same sense, like interesting, like how that stuff goes down. Yeah, but yeah, had he not initially sued them, chances are they wouldn't have sued at all. 
because he'd been doing it for several years, I guess. Anyway, yeah, world's crazy. I do have one more piece of news. Um, video game people, um, God of War is out. Everyone's talking about it. Amazon announced yesterday that they, they are creating a live action series of the current run of God of War. So the Norse version. Um, I think it's 2018 when that first game came out. So, yeah, yeah. Um, Amazon Studios is, uh, gobbling up a lot of video game properties. They have a Fallout show in the works. They now have God of War. There's so many things that are coming into fruition, and uh, I think they'll do a fantastic job. So I thought that was pretty exciting. Well, a few of the other projects have been really good. I mean, when it comes to sh- I mean shows, I mean, Invincible is fantastic. Lord of the Rings, too. I mean, that... Oh, yeah. Lord I, of the Rings. Yeah, great. I, that show was fantastic. I mean, right. It's, it's great. Yeah. So I'm, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, that's uh, really cool. I'm disappointed we're not getting a second season of uh, Paper Girls from them, but mm. like as a thing, I mean... Even the, even that series, well, I don't think the season was bad. I, I liked it, so it's more a matter of I, I just don't think I got the viewership that they wanted. Well, I mean, I, I know it's a little bit more popular, I'm sure, in the comic space than it would be in a, and I figured than in a television space, right? Yeah, yeah, but all the work they did on Lord of the Rings is just fantastic. So, Absolutely. Yeah, when it comes to things, I feel like they've done a pretty good job with most of their stuff. Um, so, well, the last piece, little bit I have before we talk a tiny bit about the. Uh, the rocky world of DC. Oh no. I know. Uh, so Donna Glover has been tasked with, uh, making a, um, movie for a, uh, very undersung supervillain from the, uh, Spider-Man universe. Uh, he was going to be doing a, uh, hypno hustler movie of some type. Uh, what exactly that means? No idea. Cause I think it got announced today. Uh, hypno hustler is like, Maybe a two, I don't know, maybe a two or three appearance character, a lot like Rainbow Racer and a few other, like, like Stilt Man. Stilt Man's got a lot more time in comics, actually. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, I think Glover's fantastic. Uh, so. Was he in No Way Home? No, he was in. He was in Atlanta, the TV series. No, no, but he was in, he was in one of the Spider-Man's home. No, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know. <laughs> he, he was, uh, he talks about Miles Morales. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was and, it Homecoming? Uh, Spider-Man that was the first one. Yeah, homecoming, so Homecoming, yeah. yeah. Homecoming. I think he really loves that universe, and that's awesome. Um, I, I'm excited to see him do anything. I think he's an awesome creative person, whether it's music, television, or, or movies. Uh, right. Yeah. I think he really likes the Spider-Man universe. It'll be interesting to see whatever comes comes of it. I mean, I, I think if they're going to put somebody in charge of something, he's a good choice as a, as a person. I think the character choice is bizarre. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll see. Well, Polka Dot Man worked out. I mean, yeah, no, that's true. You changed a couple things, obviously. You take some liberties for sure, but right. I mean, it worked out. I mean, everybody thought he was great. No, yeah, that's true. Um, speaking of, did you happen to see the new um, Into the Spider Verse trailer? I did. It's fantastic. It is. It's really good. <laughs> I love. I actually sat down and watched. Um, is it Into the Across the Spider? Which one's the, the first, first one? It's the first one's Into the Spider Verse. Right? Mm-hmm. And the next one is Across the Spider. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I love that film. I, I would argue it's one of the greatest comic book films of all time. It's so fantastic. Um, and I'm stoked for a sequel. Oh, yeah. I'm really excited. The first one was very, very well done. Like, the animation is impressive. The story is fun. It's, yeah, they did a really, really good job with that series. It's, uh, for that, that movie. Well, it'll be three when it's all said and done. That's what they were yeah, saying. Yeah, They're supposed be, to do a third one. It'll be three. So I think that's freaking awesome. Yeah. Um, as far as the Spider-Verse is concerned, I think it was undersung in the box office, but... Really? As far as attendance, man, I don't I don't feel like it did as well as it should have. Let's find out. Yeah, take a look at the numbers. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Go on. 
But yeah, as far as the thing, I mean, the animation's really great. The voice acting's really great. It almost won an Oscar or did it not win an Oscar? It, no, it, it was nominated. It was nominated, yeah. yeah. But it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Well, it looks like it won an Oscar. Best animated feature film. Oh, that's right. So it did win. It wasn't up for a couple of things, though. I don't know. I feel like it was. I don't know how much more it could have been up for. Maybe writing. Maybe. Visual effects, but. Yeah, I don't remember. It was up against Isle of Dogs. I remember that. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, 990 million, excuse me, budget. Grossed about uh, 384 million worldwide. That's well, not horrible, though. So, not. Uh, again, you're not going to get, you know, the, the numbers that you get from a live action, but. Right. It's still fantastic. And if, if folks listen and haven't seen it, they really should. It is great. Fantastic. Uh, only nominated for animated feature and one animated feature. Yeah, there you go. Won a couple BAFTAs as well. If you're into that thing. Yeah. All the spider. Uh, did you see all the spider suits? Oh, man. There's so, so many. many. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so many. It's crazy. And I'm super excited. I love Oscar Isaac. I'm super excited to see him do, what is that, 2099? 2099, yeah. So cool. I love that suit. I think it's so awesome. Um, yeah, and Oscar Isaac, anything he touches is fantastic. Playing Miguel, I think that's cool. Yeah. It's a, yeah, that, that's a really good match. I, again, I watched the old one, you know, the other night. I forgot that they teased him at the end. I totally, oh, yeah. I totally spaced that. Well, I, the, when it, when it happened as a thing, I, I don't feel like it was talked about a super lot because the tease was there, but the, being Oscar Isaacs doing the tease is crazy, but it's awesome. Yeah, because it was Oscar Isaac in it. Yeah, it was. I, I did not know that. Yeah, no, he he did the uh, initial appearance for the little tiny clip at the end. But yeah, as far as the thing, man, and the, all the stuff they did with that first movie is so amazing, and everything from the trailer from the second movie just looks the same. So awesome. IGN has a great, um, I'm a big fan of IGN, but IGN has a great video talking, and it breaks down all this, all the suits that are in there. Oh, Some that's cool. really cool stuff. Bag, yeah. Baghead Spider-Man, um, the Steel Suit Spider-Man, uh, the Spider-Man from the current run of games, The Amazing Spider-Man by Sony. Right. Um, some awesome, awesome stuff. Really cool stuff. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know they, I didn't know they done that. That was cool. Um, that's all I really have as far as like news, news is concerned. Um, I mean, I don't know if we got a chance to talk about James Gunn taking over DC Universe on the show or not, but that's definitely a thing. Uh, as far as his choices, I mean, at this point, it's a mixed bag of things. So, um, that's crazy. Uh, as far as things. Should we break down what we know? I mean, sure. So, what we know is that Henry Cavill will no longer return as Superman. We know that Jason Momoa, Gal Gadot have been cut cameo-wise from The Flash. And we know that... Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot are no longer attached to any Wonder Woman film whatsoever. So that seems to be kibosh, which is actually the only thing, in my opinion, that makes sense because 84 was so bad. Um, but the rest of it, Josh and I talked a little bit about it, you know, um, off air, talking about how I don't think you'll find somebody who's as um, dedicated to the project or looks the part or cares, you know, as much as you will as Henry Cavill. Cavill. I think he was... Um, one of the best, if not the best, arguably the best. Right. Yeah, I think that's a... The only thing I can see, thinking-wise, is that if you're planning to try to do a series of movies and you're looking at the 15 years of investment, then maybe Henry gets to be too old. 
you that's can the only fit. thing. You, you're crazy. You, you, I, I'm just saying to, def, to defend the idea of choice. I'm not saying it's right, and I don't agree with it. Who I doesn't? Think. Who doesn't want to see Superman with silver hair on the side? Everyone wants to see that. It's Kingdom Come. Everyone see Kingdom Come. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. We looked at that guy. He's a Greek god. This, yeah. He's not aging. You're, cra- you're crazy. Aging. Have you seen Tom Cruise? He's seventy. No, that's true. Also, I yes. Yeah, you're cra- You're absolutely insane. Jared that- Leto is fifty. Yeah, there's. That's I true. mean, yeah. that that if that's the reasoning, and I know that that you're you're giving somebody something. I don't know. You're giving them charity of some sort by being like, well, maybe it's because they- no. <laughs> that's the lamest that thing I've ever heard in my life. No offense to you, but there's like. If that's if if that's an excuse on their end, that is the lamest excuse I've ever heard. There's only two reasons I can see to make any sense to that. Because they're idiots. That's the well, number one reason. Well, okay, then three reasons. Josh is very mad, by the way. I know, I know. And the only other thing is that he comes with a lot of baggage from the other movies. That's the only other thing. Well, and it's it is a substantial amount of baggage. Every movie, and we've talked about this. Every DC movie we've walked out of was. In my opinion, that was a great start. 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 Flashpoint was supposed to be, in my opinion, great. Let's fix everything. Right. You, that is your point where you can fix it. And obviously now that's not going to happen. Um, I think it will maybe destroy the entire DC universe would be my guess. And then it's done or whatever happens. I don't know. But that was your point to reset and continue on with these perfect casting which we've talked about many many times right whether it's cavill whether it's gal whether it's jason um they're all fantastic are they fantastic movies not necessarily but they were cast extremely well and you could hire a better writer hire a better uh, even the rock who right looks just like him was he the best casting no but i mean he looks like him but yeah. um yeah i think you <laughs> i think you look at that and you go okay every single one of these movies is a great start do we continue this great start or do we just Start over, and I get it. It it it, but it sucks. It makes me really sad. It makes me really sad to not see Zack Snyder's vision finished, or even those characters that were built from that to become something greater. Um, when it comes to questions like because the way Peacemaker ends, it sits in that universe of characters too. So what does that mean for that? I mean, that's all the stuff that's James Gunn stuff, but I guess we'll see. I, I don't know. They're supposed to be a, you know, he's supposed to. Second season, yeah. So do you kibosh season two? And then another article I read was talking about how um, Margot Robbie, she's safe from all this. Well, wait a minute. If she's safe from all this, then how come they aren't? How come you can't? Yeah. So. I, other than the movies being so separate, and they are, in the grand scheme of things, nothing really connects them all together that way. The Suicide Squads don't connect. The Harley Quinn connects to the Suicide Squad, but that's as far as it goes. But yeah, it seems like a crazy decision. They connect. Amanda Waller. Oh, that's true. Man, man, Amanda. And Ben Affleck. Yep. Man. See, so they're up there. Pieces. And Harley yeah, I don't Quinn. know. Right, Harley wasn't Harley. in any of the Suicide Squad or Justice League. Or wasn't in any of the Justice League stuff. No. No, but... But as far as the... And she wasn't in the Batman stuff either. Well, it wasn't really Batman. It was Batman Superman. Batman's in Suicide Squad. Yeah, that's what I said about... Oh, Affleck. got it, got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, Affleck. So yeah. Affleck shows up in the Suicide Squad, the first one. Yeah. And even if you call that thing a do-over with the new one as a soft reboot, the other one still is in the same universe. So, yeah, I don't know, man. That's a... Uh, it's, it's an interesting uh, circle of things, but I, yeah, I don't know. That's uh Definitely things that are... A miss in the world of what DC's doing, but we'll, I guess we'll see. I mean, they fired a bunch of people, and I guess we'll see if that was a good choice or not. 
it also is going to be a long time before we see anything because right. this is still going. Blue Beetle's out next fall, I think. Right. So, I mean, I think that's the last of it is Blue Beetle. Hopefully, they move it up and they make Flash the last thing. But Which would make a lot more sense, I actually. Thought, I thought so, yeah. As, as the idea of if we're going to shut everything down, we're going to throw the light switch and turn it all off. If Flashpoint's not the last movie you do and just be like, we're done, then I don't know what you're doing. And even then, that that's still highly questionable as a thing in general and disappointing to a certain extent too. So yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I mean, just all of our excitement for Cavill showing up in the, the what two minutes he does in black Adams, 90 Maybe. seconds. I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe 60 seconds it's- is, is a major disappointment on that side of things. So I guess we'll see. I mean, that's the only real option, right? You boys got any more news? No, sir. Not really, man. All right. Uh, well, I guess from there we want to move into some books. Some books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. All right. So this is Fantastic Four issue number one from Marvel Comics. This is the uh, 2022 series. Uh, it's written by Mr. Ryan North, and the art on it is uh, by Ivan Silo. Um. As far as the series, the, the cover of the A cover is a beautiful Alex Ross piece um, of the Fantastic Four, of course. Um, there is a, quite a few variant covers for the series, but the primary cover is the Alex Ross, so that's what we're working with tonight. Um, so when the book first opens up, we are at this, uh, I don't know, roadside motel, which is uh, the Cedar Grand Motor, and it's, uh, you know, old school hotel style, pull up, park outside, you know, dive hotel style. And uh, we have a voiceover going on that explains it's a small town, no different than any other small town. Uh, and as far as the uh, setup for the world, it, it's a comfy place, it's a quiet place, and it's a place that nothing ever changes. Uh, we join inside to the uh, the man running the place, and he's reading a newspaper. Uh, and there's a little more about the town, about how everyone's the same, and everything you find is the same. And the facility itself has a, has a friendly face, a warm bed. Uh, it's everything you need in a small town. Um just like any other small town, the Grand Motor Hotel or the Cedar Grand Motor Hotel. And then it says, of course, we have a uh, we have our whims we have our whims and our changes, but every Monday is a normal Monday, and today's Mondays are slow. And we get a cut of a close up of him reading the newspaper, and on the back of the newspaper it has the Cedar Gazette, and the date on the paper is July twelfth, nineteen forty seven. And then we see him closes. He closes down, turns the sign around where it says "close." And says, what does it say on the paper, though? It also talks about nuclear testing being successful. Ah, yeah, it may come into play later. Right, right. Um, in 1947, being the year the the paper was printed, which is very, very strange. Um, and it says today is no different, but um, we'll be fine. Tomorrow's another day, and he turns the sign around to be closed and closes for the day. Then we cut to the exact same scene. With the same hotel, with the same dialogue mostly. And we cut to the same inside shot with the same dialogue. And we have the same newspaper being read. And it is the same date still. Still July 12th. Still nuclear testing. Still 1947. And we have the same dialogue again. And we see the sign be turned to closed. Next page. Repeat. Same material from the first two panels. We get to the third panel, and there's a slight difference, because now there's a jingle in the bottom corner, even though the the dialogue is basically the same until we get to the uh, point where he says Mondays are slow as usual, and then it says, but tonight, we see a jingle, and he is uh, 
looks up to see... Uh, well, the next page shows the reveal. He looks up from the paper, astonished and like shocked in his face. We still see it's the same year, same date, same everything. But uh, the folks have just walked into the building. Is uh, the thing, the ever-loving thing, wearing his sweatsuit and pants. And uh, his uh, now wife, uh, Alicia, um, the uh, blind daughter of the, uh, oh gosh, puppet master. And uh, the two of them, were, you know, greet the man. And uh, the dialogue box says, but tonight, a blind man and a monster came to town. And uh, he walks in. He's like, oh, Alicia, this is going to be great. Let's, uh, let's talk to the rock man here. See how this guy handles dealing with the rock man. She's like, oh, Ben, be nice. And uh, the two of them check into the hotel. We cut very quickly from the check-in to them being in the room. And uh, Ben's like, he he's happy that they're together and they're doing this little side vacation. They talk about that a little bit. And she's like, oh, he, and he says, you know what? I feel uneasy in this place, sweet pea. And she goes, well, it's a small town, Ben. They've probably never had anything like the thing here before because of the way the man reacted. So Ben's just, you know, going over what the front desk man behaved as. He's like, sure, but, you know, I don't know. The, the way the world is now, you think that things would be different. And she's like, yeah, well, I'm glad. It, it's, it's nice, you know, that we have we found a nice place to stay, and the hotel hours are it's a good getaway for us. So we should be fine. I mean, it's just a small town. And she's like, things will be better, I promise. And so, you know, she kisses him, and the two of them have a little more dialogue. And we cut from there to outside, where uh, our uh, man at the front desk has gotten a hold of a few other people in town to alert them to the monster in the bedroom. And uh, the worst dude, he's got is like a bruiser dude. He's huge. He's carrying a gun, and he's like, Bill, you you got to show me something that I expect to believe. And he's like, oh, don't don't worry. I'm going to show You're going to see for yourself. And he takes him over, and he shows him inside the window of the room the thing is staying in with uh, Alicia. And uh, he sees him in bed, and he's like, God have mercy. He's like, Walter, what? You're not turning yellow, and as Walter stomps off to his truck, uh, but it's not a matter of that. Walter stomps off to his truck because he's going to drive the truck through the building, which is absolutely crazy. And that's what he proceeds to do. And as he's barreling towards the building, the Ben from the front desk, no, Bill, sorry, Bill from the front desk screaming to wait, don't do it, wait. All of a sudden, the truck just vanishes. We see a purple light pass over, and the truck itself is disappears into dust as he's driving trying to drive into the, the hotel room oh the, yeah full yeah. bore like oh yeah he's it's flying. Really like like he's revved it up and he is charging the building we also see that his truck um is a distinct amount older uh like a 40s truck which makes sense for the newspaper uh we cut to the next page and we're back in the front of the building and uh it's now daytime every other time we saw the front of the hotel it was the evening and uh we are inside there with Alicia and uh, the thing and the old man who checked them in that night. He's like, sir, I, I don't I don't recall seeing you here the other night. You and your wife, I don't recall you guys staying here at all. And the thing's like, you ain't heard of, you, you haven't, you didn't see us? Look at this face. You didn't forget this face. And she's like, sir, we met last night. You rented us a room yourself? Your name's Bill. And uh, the thing's like, I can't believe this. He, in his voice, he was so terrified. She's like, oh, Ben. Please, Bill, let us pay for the room, and we'll be on our way. He's like, well, since there's no damage from the break, or from since there's no damage from the break-in, because he's accused them of basically breaking into the room, he's like, for the love of God, we gave us keys. He's like, well, then that'll be $3. And the two of them look at each other all crazy because, well, $3. $3, $3 yeah. Hotel stay? I mean, come on. That's uh, 
that's crazy. And uh, Alicia goes to pay and she's like, quarter's okay? And uh, the two of them walk out and leave. And he's like, now that was really crazy. And she's like, well, maybe there's some, some kind of special weird, some kind of special they're doing that made, you know, the thing is just completely baffled by it. And the two of them go out and they get ready to get in their truck. And then they find in the back of the truck, there's this little kid. And he's in there playing with his, some toys. And he's got like a cup cold cars and what looks like a, I don't know, either a toy dog or something. And uh, he's like, uh, where'd we get the kid? And she's like, oh, be nice, Ben. He's like, oh, he actually looks kind of, kind of, he actually looks like he's having fun. And the kid stops, looks up and sees Ben, and he just starts screaming, like bloody murder style. And the kid jumps out the back of the truck and goes running. He's like, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. And he's like, oh, come on, kid, what are you, what is going on? And the kid's like, leave me alone. He's like, kid, you forgot your toys. And the kid's screaming for his dad and just running and saying it's a monster. And Ben's like, I'm not a monster, kid. And uh, he's still got the toys. And Alicia, you know, she hugs him. And he says, I'm not a monster. And she's like, basically, just basically makes me feel better about it. I mean, there's a lot more dialogue that is very intricate dialogue uh, between the two of them. But that's basically what's going on. She's explaining to him that, you know, he's a kid. So is what it is. And so they decide to drive in the town because they're looking to get breakfast before they head on their way. And uh, she says, uh, you know, as they're pulling the town, we get a shot of the town. And she's like, oh, it's very old timey. And then we have the two of them walking through town. And as they're walking through town, they're getting eyed by everyone. And initially, you know, Ben just treats it to be like, well, it's because we're new people in town. And these people just don't know how to put up with. It's crazy how discriminative they are, blah, 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 blah. And uh, Alicia winds up looking at her phone. And she's like. Um, trying to find out about the town. She says originally it was founded back in 1980 or in 1865. Does she look at her phone? Yeah. Well, I mean, she's holding her phone and <laughs> the phone speaks to her. The phone speaks to her. That's what's going on. Yeah. The phone speaks because she's blind. Right. Well, she has powers, but yeah, nevertheless, true. Is the yeah, phone right, talking right, to right. Her. Yep. She tells the phone to tell her about the town and, uh, the phone starts talking about the town and it says originally founded in 1865, Cedar, Pennsylvania was a ghost town best known today for completely vanishing overnight. And uh, Ben's like, ghost town, as he looks around at everything being there. And it plays a little bit more. And uh, it talks about the town going vanished on July 12th, 1947. He's like, you got to be kidding me. And then it talks about how this, despite multiple searches, no one was ever found. None of the people from the town were ever found again or seen again. And uh, it talks about Cedar uh, Cedar being empty and the buildings being left, and soon uh, they turned to ruin just because they were not paying attention to. And by the late 70s, uh, there was no, no sign of any part of the town at all. And the two of them are standing in the middle of it, and Ben's like, this is crazy. He's like, they have this whole town, everyone, everyone's in it. And she's, she's like, well, this is the craziest thing ever. And uh, from there, they... Uh, Ben decides he's going to go looking for, they, they, they wind up leading from there, go back to their truck. And, uh, in the process of that, like Ben thinks this must be some kind of trap. We've been led into a trick that this is, uh, some kind of holograph or projection or some kind of trick. There's no way this could be a ghost town. And, uh, so he's looking underneath the car and he's looking around for anything that could be like a seam or a trap. Cause I mean, they've dealt with toy master and a bunch of other bad guys that do that kind of thing. And so he assumes that that must be what they've happened into. And about that time, we wind up getting uh, the guy from the previous night, the guy with the car and the truck that was going to run into the building and the gun. He is the father of the little boy that went running screaming. And uh, the little boy is bringing him to see his daddy, and the, or bring him to see the monster and have his daddy take care of the monster. And, uh, of course, that dude is still of the same opinion that he has got to kill it. And he's like, 
what do you want me to do with this monster here? And she's like, my husband's not a monster. And Alicia says, my husband's not a monster. And he's like, maybe I wasn't clear. I said scram. And he pulls his gun out and he just starts shooting at the thing. Which, I mean, the thing can take a bullet or two, right? But the problem is Alicia's standing right there, too. And he's like, you pull a bullet gun on me and my wife? And, of course, he crushes the dude's gun and crushes the dude's hand. He's, he's, and then, of course, the two of them walk away. And he's like, that's right. You better run. And, of course, he, his reply to him is, oh, freak. You freaks. And so they, the two of them leave, the little boy and the dad. And then we cut to uh, the evening, and uh, the thing is sitting in the truck in the back of it, covered up with a, like a tarp. And he's writing in his journal, making notes about things and about what's going on. And uh, Alicia's gone into the town to get them some dinner, because she, looking as normal as you know anybody else, would not have a problem. And uh, anyway, she winds up picking up a newspaper, and of course, it's a paper that tells him what year it is. And so as Ben's reading stuff and he's like, this is just the craziest thing ever. Like, we got to figure out a reason, like, what is going on here? And about that time, well, um, old country boy decides to return with a bunch of his friends in cars. And there's a bunch of them coming after the thing. And we have a very similar incident from the previous night, except instead of trying to drive into the hotel, he's barreling down on the thing in Alicia. And of course, the thing's like, well, it's clobbering time. And uh, the truck smashes into him and the the truck just folds because, I mean, it's the thing. And uh, he crushes the crap out of that first truck. And then he uh, picks it up, tears it in half. And we got the guys just shooting bullets at him. He's like, well, here's my answer to what you're doing. It's clobbering time. And uh, he goes to smash the two cars together to basically trash the dudes with the guns. And the car vanishes. And the men with the guns vanish. And Alicia and him are left by themselves, sitting next to their vehicle. The newspaper she had in her hands also vanishes, and the town itself is barren and empty. The two of them look around that this is the craziest thing ever, and so they walk through the town, and we get a voiceover from Ben's head about how they, uh, all the buildings were empty, everything was left exactly how it was, the whole town, nobody was in it. And then, uh, as the sun starts to rise, poof, at 4 a.m. on the 12th of July, all the people in the town returned, in their beds asleep, and uh, it's it's absolutely crazy. So the two of them, so now we're with Alicia and the thing. They're both trying to figure out, well, how is this even possible? Like, what is going on? I wonder why we couldn't, why, why is this happening? Why we could drive into this circle in the first place? Like, if they vanish and restart and vanish and restart, and when they search for the town, nothing was there. Like, why are we here anyway? And she's like, well, it could be anything, babe. It could be the cosmic rays from the, your cosmic rays. It could be something to do with the travel with the Silver Surfer. Who knows? And so the two of them have are having their breakfast, you know, cocoa or coffee or whatever it is. And, they're drinking them, sitting on the back of the truck bed. Cocoa. I you mean, think they're drinking cocoa. I said coffee or did I say cocoa? I said cocoa you or coffee. Sure. Co- or cocoa or coffee. Yeah, either way, whatever. <laughs> drink whatever you're gonna drink. I've drinking cocoa in the morning. Okay. Why not? Yeah. That's true. They're and drinking chocolate, coffee. Chocolate yeah. Anyway, so she's like, "Well, Ben, the, the, that guy with the truck is a jerk, but these people need help. They have no idea that they've been lost here for years." And he's like, "Yeah, I know, I know. We're here, so we gotta do what we gotta do to fix what we can do, or fix what fix what we can." And um, she's like, well, I love you, Ben Grimm. He's like, I love you too, Alicia Masters. And she's like, okay, well, you know what occurs to me that this whole town's trapped in a time loop. So we got to figure out what's causing the time for a way to break it. And uh, so they take to doing a batch of different things to try to cause things in the town to change drastically enough. So uh, we get at a point where she calls in a bomb threat to scare everybody out of the town. And uh, in the process of doing that, the time shifts and everything goes back to the same thing. Everyone disappears. 
they do a thing where the thing comes into town. He runs around screaming, he's going to kill everything. The festival's canceled. You're all going to die. And in the process of that, everybody vanishes. Um, Alicia takes her phone and she starts playing music from it, which is crazy like hip-hop music. And all the people are like, what's going on? And then they vanish anyway. So they try multiple things to try to cause the people to leave the town and to not vanish. And nothing they do gets anything done. They do four, three or four things. Well, there's like a whole page of it. And so they've, they've done, gone through all these attempts and we get a little more of his voiceover and it's like, anyway, none of the stuff we tried worked. Everything kept happening the same in the town and people disappearing and reappearing. He's like, so they, they decided, well, we, maybe we should, maybe we should do some more stuff in the town to figure something else out. And so they're, this evening, Ben's in the local bar and he's in there chatting it up with people because he's made a different approach to talking to these people. And so they're actually in there like hanging out with him, which is a drastic change from their initial reaction to the thing. Yeah, it seems they've kind of accepted their fate. They're like, oh, right. well, I don't know what we can do about this. Well, both Ben and Alicia have decided, well, that I don't know if we can fix this or right, not. Right, yeah. Anyway, so the two of them are at the bar and, you know, trying to learn more about the people. And in the process of doing that, it's very like Groundhog's Day with Bill Murray. It, it, I, I, that was something I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely Groundhog's Day. Like the entire movie, as he goes through, he learns all this stuff about these people and all these things about these people. So all these things he can change the one day to fix. That's what that movie's about. And that's basically what the two of them have started doing. Um, so in the process of that day, the, she wanted, Alicia comes in the bar and uh, she's walking around and she notices one other person. Again, she's uh, the way she feels the world is different. And she winds up hearing this man muttering to himself. And he's muttering to himself about how he, if he could just do it again, if, I wish I could just fix it and change it and do it again. That's all I want is to do it again. And then the world resets and everybody vanishes. And she's like, well, that was crazy. And the thing's like, we'll see you guys tomorrow. And uh, she says, Ben, it's him. I heard him. He's like, who? What? She was like, Sanford. I heard him talking. And he's like, Sanford? The uh, the, the, guy's in, the guy was in the dumps? The guy got the guy that got dumped. Sorry, the guy got dumped. Uh, she, Mimi told me that she a uh, few the few few weeks back she uh, broke up with him. He's like Ben. He's wishing he could live live again and had another chance to do things. He's like, oh man, Sanford's that's that's gotta be the ones doing this. And she's like, yeah, but I don't think he's doing it on purpose. It doesn't seem like he has any idea. It doesn't seem like he's the type of guy that want to hurt people. He's like, well, maybe there's something we can do. Something we can do with the nuke that happened to you in the papers. Guy gets powers without even knowing it, which is what the newspaper is all about. Super circle. So two of them decide to hatch a plan and figure out a way that they can change what is happening with him. Um, so we join the next day and she was like, and it says, of course, it's the things of voiceover again. He's like, Sanford, well, he was the key. And so we go to a point where Sam, he's trying to convince Sanford to not make the same wish. And he's like, oh, Sanford, you gotta, you gotta let it go, man. And he's like, oh, I can fix this. I can fix us. I can do that. He's like, no, Sanford, you gotta, He's like, I wish I could do it all over again. And of course, the wish happens again Oof. and reality changes. Yeah. So the next day, both him and Alicia try to convince him. And we go through multiple attempts of trying to do that. And there's a point where they convince him to not do it. But um, it happens anyway. So they, because he was still thinking it. Right. So it wasn't, he didn't say it out loud, but he right. was still thinking it. So uh, we go. Ben through, tries you know, to cover his hand or his mouth. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. They, they, just like trying to make the town itself do different things yeah. and evacuate itself. We go through a plethora of attempts to try to get this man not to think or want to change things. Uh, ben even goes to the middle of the day and causes a bunch of destruction. He's about ready to just whoop him, and the guy does the wish again. And eventually, uh, um, Alicia goes and talks to the girl, and 
in the process of things, he, there's a point where he actually grabs him and he's holding him upside down by his foot and shaking him around. And they, they finally eventually manage to work on him enough and make him feel good enough about himself and good enough about how there's options in the world afterwards and how things will get better and things will go on. And it takes a fair amount of time and follies over and over again. But eventually they convince him in a night of uh, basically drinking at the bar. And we get to the end of the night and he decides maybe he'll go home because tomorrow won't be so bad. And uh, that's all it took. And uh, in the next morning, he wakes up, and the town. I wouldn't wakes say up. that's all it took. I mean, they took, they met him, they abducted him from his house. They, oh, yeah. yeah, they tried they to spend an entire day with him. So he's a, yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, wouldn't say that's all it well, took. At, at, well, at one point, well, I'm sorry, what's her name? Alicia. Alicia. She kind of says, "Well, maybe we can't just get him. Maybe we need to actually fix his situation. Right. Instead of changing his mind, we actually need to, you know." Change how he feels about himself. Exactly. Yeah, that's what all that stuff is doing throughout that whole entire segment. Uh, but yeah, then it we get to play forward a few days for him, and it goes July thirteenth, and he's like, he's, he wakes up in the morning, he's like, oh, not not a fight, it'll be fine. And then we see September fifteenth, and we see September. Uh, we jump from so we jump from days. We do July thirteenth was the very next day. Then we jump a little farther down the way, and he's bowling, hanging out with people. And it's September fifteenth, nineteen forty eight. Then we jump again and he's having a barbecue and there's all these people at his barbecue. So they changed his entire situation in life, like how he was as a person. And it's now it's July 4th and it's 1949. Then we skip from there to July 1st, 1952. Well, they just, they changed his perspective on like letting her go and moving on with himself. Right. They totally reshaped his whole life, which affected everything else in his life. Him having friends and fitting in in the community. Well, eventually meets another lady, and then we fast forward through their life together a little bit. We get all the way up into the 50s. They have a kid together. We get to 1955. So when they return to time, it returned from the day they left. Right, yeah. Like, this is way before anything with Alicia or the thing was ever there. This all kind of happens in a flash, you know, in his, in his, in his, uh, at least that's the way I saw it, in kind of his mind's eye and, you know, how his life changes. Right. And like as it's going on, we get all these cool panels, and like it goes over. It's really cool, and yeah. it's really it's actually really heartwarming. Their entire life, and how he falls in love, and so on and so forth. To eventually, where he gets old enough that he passes away yeah. um, in two thousand six, and uh, from there we join Ben and Alicia just showing up in town, and now the town's hotel is no longer, uh, you know, a roadside stop. That's a one level little mess. It's a full like it's still a you know a it looks a lot better. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like the upgraded... It's not 1940s, for sure. Right. Style of hotel. Yep. I mean, it's still like an outdoor... I mean, it's a it's a motel hotel. Sure, yeah. As a thing, it's definitely levels above what it was. And the two of them come into town to visit, and they drive through town, and the two of them have a real nice day, what they initially intended to have in our original story. But because the story is realigned, them meeting him, the only one that knows that is him. And the town from having met them, because they never go back in time. Now, so it undoes history as far as them making their parents. The, it doesn't undo history. No, the two of them. They know. No, they, they know. They it's, know. Yeah, because they talk yeah. about how the bed's different. And oh, yeah, yeah, they know. And they yeah, said, they "Should we check in and see how he's doing?" And yeah, they're like, "Yeah, he, I don't think he would like that." Right. I forgot. So that. they still existed in that time period. I forgot that. It's all good. I mm -hmm. forgot that. You're right. And it's totally what they're talking about in the hotel room too. And I can see that now that I'm reading the words. Yeah. They're anyway. Eventually, to be fair, you read this like what a week ago. In week and a half. There ago. you go. Um, yeah, so they, yeah, you're right, they do. I was trying to get to the end with a big reveal, no, which is good. crazy. It is crazy. But yeah, you're right. They they totally remember. 
Uh, anyway, so as they leave town, it's like, you're now leaving Cedar. Visit again real soon. And uh, It's not a ghost town anymore. It's not a ghost yeah. town. No, like, the whole town has changed. Yeah, and, it's just an updated night. I mean, right. it, yeah. the town just grew. Continued to exist. Right. So as they're Instead driving, of just disappearing. Right. Right. So they're driving down the road. They talk about how it's nice to be out and seeing it be out together on a on a vacation, but they are also talking about why they're doing it and how the the reasoning for their doing it is not the funnest reason and how Ben's very upset with the Fantastic Four, but he still misses them. And uh we get a shot of him looking at a picture of the group and then we talk about how he doesn't know what he's gonna do about the thing that got done. And we cut to the very last page. And the very last page is a giant crater in the middle of the city. Like the New York. And it is crazy looking. And they talk about in the last panel, or the panel before rather, about Reed Richards, and I don't know if he'll be, you know, forgiven for what he's done, and so on and so forth. They 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 mentioned a little bit earlier about Ben's kids and a couple different things. But Reed promised to get him back. Yep. Yeah, and New York is in a giant disarray crater. It's yeah. not good. Well, and the, the whole reason they left the city, he was so mad at the situation. Which, yeah, it's it's wild. And, like, what exactly Reed did, we don't really know. Yeah, we don't know, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we see that giant hole in the ground, and it's it's wild. Um, as far as the series of books concerned, I mean, it's a neat little story. Like, I, I was kind of surprised it was an issue one, but I liked it. It was real fun. It's heartwarming. The art's good. Um, I mean, I give it a three and a half. It still felt weird for an issue one, but... I liked it enough that I, I I've, I've since read issue two. So uh, as a thing, I, I like what they're doing. Um, but yeah, I give it a three and a half. I think, like I said, I think the art's great. I think the story itself is really neat. I like the idea of time loops and I don't know, crazy paradoxes and whatnot. So that part, I feel like is kind of that thing that I just in generally like. So there's that. But yeah, anyway, I give it three and a half, uh, 45. What do you think about the fantastic four? Um, seemed like more of a thing story, not a Fantastic Four story. So, like, I don't know why it was a Fantastic Four number one. So that takes it down just a little bit. Like, I enjoy the book, I enjoy the story, I enjoy the art. Um, but because it's like you read it as a Fantastic Four, assuming the thing, like, it's a weird. It doesn't make any sense as, as a number a, one. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was very confusing because it's like it's a secondary story leading up to like it should have been like a thing story. It's like right. it's like it was a leftover story from. The thing, the thing series that was going on. Oh they yeah, didn't, then they never the got mini to. series. Yeah, yeah. But because of that, I only give it like a two and a half. Cool. I like it. I I like it fine. It just does, as a Fantastic Four book, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Just because one character of the Fantastic Four is in, and there's a big reveal of the Fantastic Four at the end. It's not a Fantastic Four book. It's a thing book. Right. Yeah, that's what that's what I was saying about it being number one. It's weird. Uh, Tyler Brown. Yeah, I'm gonna go the same same route. I'm gonna go three. Um, I super love um the homage to Groundhog's Day. I think that's very clever. It's very fun. Um, there's some witty banter back and forth. There's a lot of uh, foreshadowing having to do with Reed Richards and um the relationship that Ben has with the rest of the Fantastic Four, which I think is great. But if this was called a thing book, I'd, I'd probably give it a four. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a little confusing. You're like, man, eh, you know, this isn't a lot of setup, but it's definitely, um, it's good. I mean, it's good. I gave it a three. Sure. Well, as far as things, uh, that's not the right way to do that. 
Uh, Mr. Brown, you want to tell us about uh, some Hell to Pay? Sure. This is Hell to Pay number one by Image Comics. Your writer is Charles Soule, and your artist is Will Sliney. So we start out, um, Country Cork, Ireland, Dunkillen Castle. And uh, we see this beautiful castle, and it's, you know, by a lake or a river or something like that. And it's really nice. And we see this big speech bubble come out. It says, money isn't everything. And then we come inside. We see a man and a woman sitting at a table, and she's saying, getting rich is relatively easy. And he's like, am I interesting to you, Mia? She says, no, not yet, Ian. But this night, but the night is young. He says, well, I wouldn't have gotten where I am if I didn't like a challenge. Come along. Uh, Mia, let me show you a few of my choice things. From there, he goes to this collection of tablets that um, appear to be from ancient Rome, ancient Greece, ancient Egypt, and he's talking about how he's transcribed them onto, you know, digitally and, you know, shared them with the world for free at no charge. And Mia is not impressed. She says, it's lovely. Set of books. It really is. And just kind of yawns. Um, Ian says, come along, my dear, and I'll blow your hair back yet. From there, we move to a endangered beast called the Thylakine Tasmanian Tiger. And he says, it's been extinct since the 1930s. I've cloned this one and brought it back from the dead. Mia says, yes, I know what it is. Elon had, had a, a breeding pair, uh, back up to bring the whole species back. He says, Oh, of course he did. He, Ian's like, no, oh, this, this guy you're dating, obviously, you know, has seen a lot of, you know, stuff. He's basically trying to one up her current boyfriend or maybe ex-boyfriend. Well, when she says Elon, I think she means Elon Musk. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So it's oh, a yeah. whole like, it's a fun play. Yeah. You know? Well, and like all this stuff in the background that we see, there's like, all these crazy things that are really, I mean, like expensive and extravagant. Crazy yeah. Crazy. They're eccentric to say the least. We well, yeah, have the, the whole enclosure he has for the crazy animals, like this giant, like, Terrarium. Oh yeah, they're in a mansion. Like, yeah, I it's, mean, it's crazy. Uh, from there, we come to the fireplace, and uh, we see above the fireplace the Mona Lisa. He says, "I know, of course, what you're thinking, but the Louvre has the fake. That's the real deal." And she goes, "Hmm. Look, you and I both understand what this is. I enjoy being a part of a collection of people who collect special things. It lets me live the way I want to spend my time doing fascinating things with fascinating people." It's an excellent life, and it seems like a fair deal. Forgive me for putting this so bluntly, but this is all billionaire BS. It's all the same billionaire stuff, so Mia's not impressed. They come to the Mona Lisa, and she's like, seen it before. (laughs) So, Ian McCready, uh, you want to add this special thing to your collection for a little while? Convince me that I'm in good company. Show me something no one else has. And he says, my special thing, huh? All right, lady, let me tell you a story. Hell is real. She says, well, then I'm in trouble. (laughs) Uh, That's pretty funny. Uh, This isn't about religion. Hell is a place connected to our world in very particular ways. Very powerful beings live there. They have a hierarchy. They have rules. And most importantly, they have money. From there, we go to hell. Um, it's a crazy bazaar full of um, squid-like thingies, and um, it looks like... 
like demons and it looks a lot like Hellboy Two, the 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 marketplace bazaar in Hellboy Two. It's like that exactly. So like, but there, yeah, there's all kinds of there's all these demons, these like crazy looking squid things. It's yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, From there, we see these demons kind of bargaining back and forth. Um, I think you'll like this very much, Lord. Six percent year over year growth. You haven't disappointed me yet, Master Devastur. Let's see what you've got. Um, from there, we go back and forth in this exchange, um, and he's selling a baby soul from a woman who was in a marriage that she wasn't um, really in love with. Um, and he says, oh, okay, you're too kind. And he says, um, from there, we get the voiceover of uh, Ian saying, uh, the money over Ian, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, the money, the money of the perdition goes by many names: uh, sin, silver, black gold, hell coin, the devil's dollar. In their language, they call it quarar. Quarar, quarark. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how to say it, but that sounds Q-U- good. Q U R R A K H. Quark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part's weird. Black it's, speech. It's crazy because the yeah the thing they're selling is the soul of a baby that wasn't born yeah. to a woman who's disappointed. And every time she looks at her actual kid, this is the kid she dreams of. Exactly. And it's like it's so messed up because it's like a very, I mean, the whole concept of that is wild. It is wild. Uh, again, we're we're still in hell, and the voiceover for me and says you can't buy anything with hell coin. You can buy anything with hell coin, even and especially souls. Um, people think hell is about punishing sinners, and it is. But one of the most fundamental ways to torment a human being is to take away their liberty. In hell, souls are slaves. But just like on Earth, you can only push your workforce so far for so long. Eventually, there comes a point where the torture of lying in chains outweighs the cost of trying to break them. And then they rise up. Uh, centuries ago, the souls of the hell of, excuse me, of hell somehow managed to throw, overthrow their overseers. They armed themselves with whatever they could and marched on the devil's palace. It's unclear how it happened. I mean, there's nothing lower than the damned soul in hell. Some people think the demons who wanted Satan's throne helped them. It doesn't matter. It began and then eventually... It ended. We see the workforce of hell, um, obviously, you know, being chained up again. Um, the system of hell uh, kept carrying on as it always did. But the result of the revolt wasn't the real story. It was the change from everything down there. The real Nothing changed down there. Sorry. The real story was that someone got out. And this someone, we don't know who, right. left with 666. I like soul coins. I think we should call them soul coins. That's a good name. Quark. Yeah. He brought 666 Quark with him out of hell, each by itself able to hire the service of a demon. Um, from there, and maybe this is, I'm hoping Josh can help me here. From there, we move to what I believe is called Josh. The flower mania, tulip mania, tulip mania. I I I didn't Google it before we started. I don't oh. I don't I don't know. I don't either. Anyways, it's uh, uh, from there. It's uh, Holland 
1636. Eventually, it, it, we see a demon and a gentleman talking about tulips, and um, he it's it's portraying that these quark can be sold for deals with demons, whether it be a plague or a death or something something terrible that can happen to the world. Um, she says, I'm f- familiar. From there, we come back to Ian and Mia. Um, I'm familiar with the tulip mania, Ian. Look, a story isn't going to do it, even a story that good. And he says, it's not just a story. What do you mean? You actually have? And he says, yes. I'm guessing Elon doesn't. So tulip mania was a period during the Dutch golden age when contract prices for some bulbs, because tulips are planted with a bulb, uh-huh. um, which makes them a... Instead of a um, annual, it makes them a perennial. perennial. Um, bulbs of the recently introduced and fashionable tulip reached extraordinarily high levels. The major acceleration started in 1634, then dramatically collapsed in February of 19 or 1637. Nice. Yeah. So it sounds like he hired this demon to cause it's, them to become worth. And he got rich. Generally considered to, to be the first financial like bubble. Christ. Christ. Oh, bubble. Okay. Is it like it was a bubble and it collapsed and right. it popped? Um, Ian says, I'm, she, she, she says, uh, Mia says, I want to see it. Will you show it to me? And he says, I'm sorry, my dear, but even these coins are too rare, too powerful. Even being in proximity to them is dangerous. I've had to take unusual precaution. You'll just have to take my word for it. You'll believe me, won't you? And Mia says, actually, yes. She slides off her ring and puts it in her hand and she blows towards him. And this almost uh, poison ivy-like... Um, dust comes in his face and he kind of goes, oh, and he falls back. Right. And she says, I believe every word you said. She picks up her phone and she goes, look like it's plan B. From there, we cut outside the mansion and a gentleman's sitting there saying, I thought we might have to try that. Anything uh, happen, Mia? No, Sebastian, I promise. All right, then. So this is Sebastian. He's uh, yeah on the phone with Mia talking about things. Uh, any idea where our Mr. McCready keeps his coin? Um, should be in the vault, either below the uh, premises or in his bedroom vault. We'll check both places. Um, from there, he comes up to the guards, and he's like, hey. And they're like, hey, uh, you can't be on the premises. And he's like, hey, my car broke down. Can you help me? And they're like, well, you, we can help you, but go back to your car, you know, and we'll, we'll call a tow truck. And he's like, um, you're right to treat me like that. The hired helps no good around here. Um, believe, believe you, believe you, me, fellas. And he grabs a chain and grabs one of them by the neck, pulls them down. He dispatches them in there, unconscious. From there, he's uh, suiting up, getting ready to go in, and he pulls out this wicked sword. Um, just a, it looks like a lightsaber. Medieval lightsaber. Yeah, like a fire flame instead of a light bulb. Or it is. Light, instead of a light. Yeah, it's like a fire sword. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, from there we cut. Very to- like the sun sword from Thundar. That's what it's like. I don't know what Thundar oh, is. Oh, man, I'll have to show you. It's okay. great. Go on. Okay. From there we cut to four weeks ago in London, uh, the Shrouded College. We see Mia and Sebastian standing um, next to what appears to be some sort of entity. Um, he says, and you've brought me another coin. Yes, Alex. And it wasn't easy. Mia says, this takes, this makes 360, 316 we found. 616 quark came, or 666 came into this world. 349 spent since they were brought out of hell. Every last one visiting 
a plague or misery on humanity. So just one coin left. Bring me the final quark and your debt to the college will be paid. You'll both be free. And so will I. And this fiery, blue fiery demon, he looks like kind of Hades from um, Hercules, kind of throws it in the, oh, yeah. in the thing. Yeah. Uh, from there, we cut to a, one week ago. Alex is, um, excuse me, Alex. <laughs> Alex is the demon guy. Uh, Sebastian and me are in a bedroom and they're planning this job. Um, and he's saying, you know, hey, we should take our time, figure it out. And she's like, we kind of need to hurry. And he's like, why? And she says, because she's pregnant. He goes, all right, we'll have to speed things up. From there, we cut to 15 years ago. Um, you know what that can do, don't you? That's kind of funny. Time, what time can do? Um, from there, we have uh, Sebastian laying in a bed. He's missing both of his legs, and we have Mia um, with I don't know if her eyes are gone, but she has a lot of um, gauze on her face. She obviously, and it looks like her neck's been broken. And there's a very shrouded figure standing next to them. A woman, it appears. Uh, she says, you might think your lives are over, that you've lost everything. That makes your lives worth living. You're wrong. Let me tell you about the shrouded college. From there, we cut back to the mansion, and they are dismantling guards. Um, kind of some fun little quirks in here. I really like the way this page is set up. It's kind of diagonal, um, uh, panel by panel, uh, going up and down. Um, there's some... Yeah, the way it's laid across, it's because we're traveling through the action sequences of him running through the house. The house, yeah. And it's like, uh, it's not really a video game layout, but the way they're stretched. A side scroller, yeah. Yeah, a side scroller. Like a scroller yeah. game, yeah. <laughs> One of them's a staircase, which kind of runs up the middle. It's really cool. Anyways, he's dispatching as many guards as he can um, with his laser sword, um, screaming all the while about his one love. From the next, we come to the giant vault door again. A full two-page here. Um, he says, oh, that, uh, that's a beast of a door. <laughs> All right. He kind of kind of prepares himself, and he stabs through the door like Jedi style, mm -hmm. trying to melt it like Qui-Gon does. Oh, yeah. Totally works. He gets in there to the vault. There's all these um, precious things, all kinds of um, antiquities and things that are worth a lot of money. And from we see the last quark surrounded by some candles and some kind of energy. He goes, there's my precious. Let's just he tries to touch it. And it kind of shocks him. He looks at his sword. and He says, sorry, friend, this will hurt both of us, but it's for the good cause. I promise. Takes the sword. And again, he does the Qui-Gon Jinn thing, stabs it through. And it kind of heats up this device. That's uh, some kind of seance, almost looking candles. And uh, the coin flips out you know, right into his palm. You cost me my favorite magical sword, you shiny little git. Worth it, I guess. And he walks out. From there, he's looking through kind of a couple little things, and he's mad about his sword. Um, we have uh, <clears throat> them meeting up in the kind of the foray, and they've set the house ablaze. And um, he says, Sebastian. Sebastian says, there she is. I got it, dear. The last coin. It was down in the vault. Lost the Vorpal, which must be the sword, but it was worth it. We're done. 317 coins every last one we paid for. We paid for our debt. We can start living. I almost can't believe it. Mia, what is it? What's the matter? And she goes, Sebastian. And she kind of looks back. She goes, I got one too. So they both found a coin. From there, they're outside the burning mansion and they have McCready and they slap the heck out of him to wake him up. Um, wake up you, 
uh, whap. He goes, what is it? Why am I, who, who are you? Sebastian Stone, the lesser of my, of the fourth target of the shrouded college. And incidentally, the husband of the woman you so terrifically failed to seduce this evening. He goes, you're married? And he goes, he goes, Mia goes, brother, you never had a chance. He says, I swear I didn't know. I would never. I'm not that kind of man. Sebastian goes, oh, I know. We both know you are, Mr. Cree. I've been down in your vault. I know what kind of man you are. And then some. It's why you, it's why I set your house ablaze. And yes, we brought all your staff outside, very on brand, that you don't even ask about them. But this isn't about you or your idiotic attempt at sleeping with my love or my life, the love of my life, or your many other uh, terrible deeds. Answer this quick question. Answer it. Qu- answer this question quickly, um, and we'll just leave you tied up here. Maybe the fire brigade gets here before this tree starts burning. Maybe not. Where did you get these? And Mia holds up the coins, and he says, "I bought them." There's a man, he sells them, incredibly expensive, and he swore to me, secretly, to have me, and he had me sign an NDA, do the whole ritual, do a whole ritual, but I'll tell you how to reach him, just let me go, and I'll, I'll deliver, and boom, McCready's head explodes, <laughs> and it is graphic. Oh yeah, it's everywhere. It is. It's skull, and it's, yeah, it's, it's great. Ooh, man. Looks like something out of Mortal Kombat. It is, yeah. She goes, Smash <laughs> uh, says, well, you probably should have read that NDA's fine print. The devil's in the details. The devil's in the details. Uh, Mia says, Sebastian, you need to focus. This is not good. From there, we cut to 15 years ago. Um, they appear to be meeting with um, the college, the Shrouded College, right? Yep. Um, they're discussing with this woman about, you know, whether they should or shouldn't. And eventually they decide to um, join servitude. Um, after they've already healed them, it appears. In order to keep their uh, newfound limbs and eyes and whatnot. Correct. Um, they both get handed pens to sign the call, the thing, and the shrouded, same shrouded individual woman from the uh, from the hospital bed says, uh, very good, welcome to the shrouded college. From there, we come back to the fire, which is now. Um, we have two coins. Um, they're, they're, they're kind of holding them out. Um What's the deal? We were told, you know, it was 666. You know, where are they coming from? Um, you know, we're about to have a baby. What are we going to do? You know, it kind of said in the contract, we can't have a baby. Yeah, or they'll they take point, it. They point that out that if you get, yeah. if the two of you are pregnant and have a kid, it's a, it's ours. Yeah. Bad news. Um, how many more can there be? There can't be that more. From there, we cut to what appears to be a laboratory. There's a man. There's a lot of lightning and, uh, he's saying, Give me another. I need more, as many as I can get. I have paid the price and will continue to pay. Just bring me more. And we see this machine just shooting blue lightning. Obviously, it's some kind of transporter. Yes, good. Thank you. Bring it to me. Every coin counts. After all, the devil doesn't come cheap. To be continued. And we end there. Um... uh, I, I I really like this book. I think this is probably book of the night for me. Um, I'm going to give it a four and a half. I really enjoy the art. It's quick. It's witty. The concept is awesome. Um, I wish we spent a little more time in hell, um, but this is uh, it, it's excellent. I really, really enjoy it. Um, Image has got a lot going for it, and this is definitely one of them. Right on. Uh, 45, what did you think about the hell to pay? Um, 
It was good. I liked the story a lot. The art, I wasn't super impressed by the art. It was kind of generic, <clears throat> almost like computery. But um, the the stories the story's interesting. I like the story a lot. And uh, I think overall, I'll give it a three and a half. Cool. Yeah the uh, the guy writing Charles Soul. He's done a lot of other stuff. Dude's fantastic. Uh, a lot of horror stories. A lot of a lot of indie books. A lot of Marvel and DC. Like he's. He's very good. The concept's great. Oh, yeah. I could easily see this become a movie or a show or something. Oh, absolutely. I think it's written Super like that. Super easy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, being a, a miniseries, it, yeah, it's great. Um, like, when they were talking about the sword and he calls it a Varpal sword, well, there's a whole poem about the Varpal sword and the Yub Yub tree. It sounds crazy unless you know the poem, I guess. Yep, Any, yep. Anyway. Yub Yub. So, like, it, it being that sword from the story is really awesome. Um I mean, yeah, I, I, I would give it a four also. Like, uh, I really enjoyed it the first time I read it. It stuck with me really well. Um, I like the art, but I mean, I see what you mean. It's, it's very, it's very typical image art, you know, early it, 2000s. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not bad. And like the way the panel layouts are is really cool. Like that whole two page spread where they're showing his chase through the labyrinth or through the, the ho- castle the or house, yeah, the mansion. The yeah. mansion is done really cool. That diagonal one with the staircase is really neat. Yeah, yeah. It's very smart. So like that whole layout is really, really cool. Um, but yeah, as far as a, as far as a, a series is concerned, I mean, it, it's a mini series. And as far as books are concerned, like I like that one a lot. So yeah, I give it a four also. How many is there supposed to be? I want to say it's five, I believe. Nice. Five or six. I don't remember. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's great. Like the first issue sold out real quick. And, uh, as a thing, I, I don't remember if they actually went to second print or not. I think this is still when they were trying not to second print stuff. So, but yeah, anyway, if you get a chance, it's, it's really a great book. Um, anything else about the hell to pay? I love it. Excellent. Book of the night for me. Well, we'll move on to some uh, wild cats. 45. You want to tell us about the cats? The cats. So I'm going to do this a little different tonight. Okay. It's going to be part history lesson, part. Issue number one, because it's an issue number one. It's technically a reboot, but it's kind of not a reboot because there's been multiple incantations in intermittently. But I th- it reads as a reboot of the original 1992 um, series, right? By Image Comics. We were talking about this a couple nights ago. Created by Jim Lee and uh, Brandon Choi. So it was so popular back then, as was Image Comics, because everybody was like these superstar rock stars that they even got its own animated television show on CBS. So, as we go into this, I'm going to I'm going to name characters that used to be they don't name them in the book necessarily. They call them by their first name and I will tell who who also the character is as you're reading it because they are also drawn slightly different as well. Right. Their their introductions, I did think notice that was kind of odd. So, if you're yeah. interested in this, I'm going to kind of be all, it's going to just, it will make sense if you're interested in it. Like the story is not going to change. I'm, I'm going I'm to flow with the story, but also I'm going to name them by their first name, but also point out who, what their actual code name in the team is. Yeah, that's cool. I remember like Wildcats. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I do remember this show. All right. But also there's some characters in here who aren't part of Wildcats. Yep. So this is also interesting as well. Well, we've already gotten to history tonight with the 
the tulip debacle. What was it called? No. Yeah, I meant to look yeah, that yeah. up, and I Googled it. Yeah, I forgot all about no, it. No, but I Googled it, so I already had the page open, Perfect. and I was going to look it up, and then I, then I, we started talking about something else yeah. earlier, so I was just like, oh. and then I was like, oh, yeah, that thing. So, yeah. Tonight, you get to learn a lot tonight. Yeah. A little history, a little comics. Man, something else that Soul does when he writes things, like, he, he includes things, just like Mike Manola does. Oh, yeah. Where they use a lot of, like, real history from places, and they pepper it into stories. He does that, too. So, yeah, when it comes to things that are, like, things are real-life things... There are mixtures in there as well. Anyway, yeah, sorry, that was held to pay nonsense again. <clears throat> Go on, Josh. All right, so this is Wildcats number one by DC Comics. It's a limited series. It's written by Matthew Rosenberg, and it's drawn by Stephen um, Segovia. This book begins with, um, well, we'll find out that it's Grifter, but he's he's telling you, um, a story, and it says, Millions of years ago, an alien race known as the Karubim fled their dying planet. Their scientists desperately searched the galaxy for a new home. They found nothing, until finally a single suitable planet was discovered. But they weren't alone. A violent race known as the Daemonites already called it home. The war between both races lasted a millennia. Eventually, the Karubim faced extinction. But a small and desperate group fled the planet and found fled and found an isolated planet to hide on. It worked for a while. And then it says modern, it's like modern day and it says a hive laboratory and you see Grifter. And if you don't know who Grifter is, um, he has an amazing figure in the McFarland toys line. Currently like DC comics line. And it's sitting right over here. <laughs> yep. It's in right there. Hey, yeah, he's awesome. Ooh. Pretty cool character. Um, it's him telling the story and is like, my name is Cole Cash. I'm basically the world's greatest superhero, give or take. And that brings us to here and now. He's like, people don't like, like, um, people who don't like me call me Grifter. And as he's telling the story, he's talking to the hive person, like a, a drone kind of stormtrooper type soldier person. Guy, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, what are they, what, what the hell are you talking about, man? He's like, us. That's what I'm talking about. Us and that war that's been going on for a long time before our parents' parents. It shaped human history without anyone knowing. But in in a way, we've also known too, like good versus evil, angels versus demons, Karubim versus Daemonite. Like, but why are you telling me all this? Like, look, I believe you didn't know you're working for the Daemonites, but you are. And the guy's like, I am. He's like, you are. You're just following orders to not let your fancy lab fall into the wrong hands, right? It's much bigger than that, though. He's like, it is? He's like, well, if you set off that bomb, you're going to do exactly what they want, getting them one step closer to enslaving the human race. He's like, you're full of crap. And by the way, when I say this book is full of swear words. Oh, yeah. They're all censored, but yes, you're right. They are. They're definitely there. But I can't say the swear words, so I'm not going to say... not going really to and I, and hashtag, I'm not exclamation point. I'm not going to say... You're doing good. I'm not no, going to say number either. sign, dollar no. sign, asterisk, yeah, percent sign. No. So anyway, um, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see a woman with white hair and her face, red face tattoos that we know as Zealot, mm-hmm. um, cut the dude in half. And Grifter says, what are you doing, Z? I had him. She's like, no, he called you a liar. Pay up. And then Grifter goes on. He's like, her name is Zana. No last name needed because look at her. She's the scariest person I know. It's pretty awesome. 
people who don't want to li- to live call her Zila though. And he's like, he's like, Cray, settle the tie. And then Cray, who's also known as Deathblow, is not a wildcat necessarily, but he is part of the DC universe. And so that's the one, that's the first character that I'm like, that guy, that, he doesn't, that's weird they put him a part of this. Right. The other character we run into later makes a little bit more sense, but this one didn't. But anyway, so Deathblow, um, he's like, he, he's like, you gotta get, you oughta, uh, you oughta your damn, or you're out of your damn mind. You think I'd ever side against Z? That, that damn woman, Cole. And he's like, his name is Michael Craig. Sort of. It's complicated. The people who created the program that operates his brain call him Deathblow affectionately. So the deal with Deathblow is like, it's like a, they keep, they upload his personality into a new, like, um, host body. Host body, like, kind of. It's very bloodshot like, like from, um, Valiant. Well, I think I think he existed before Deathblow. About oh yeah, he well you know he did he, he, or Deathshot. I don't. I think you know, so. I don't know. I guess I have to look that up. You mean Bloodshot, Bloodshot, that's Bloodshot. What I meant. Sorry, yes. you're good. Before I think we're, Vin Diesel. I think we were before both, Vin Diesel. I think we were both wrong. But yeah, Vin Diesel's movie. So yeah. anyway, <laughs> Zila says uh, your story's getting stranger. He's like, if I had two more minutes, I I, I hadn't believed in it. And it's like he would. No, he would have. No. You wouldn't have, and there's more swear words. Um, it's like, well, Maxine agrees with me. Anyway, what are we doing now? And Maxine is um, Lady Tron, who is a character that exists, but she's the one that communicates. She sits back at the base and is like the, uh, she goes back and forth. Yeah, she's kind of like a, I don't know, like a Batgirl or like a Oracle, Oracle. would be. Yeah. Kind of. Similar, not, yeah. Um, is it, all right. It's you, Dr. Tremont, correct? We're here for you. The question is, what can you do? He's like, what, what, what did I do? He's like, us three sexy heroes you see before you are what is called as, as a crisis aversion tactile squad. Or Chris Sav. Not my choice, but I got overruled. In short, we work for the, that, an organization that wants to save the world. What's with all the monkeys? And so this doctor standing there in front of like the, in the, all these different like cages of a bunch of chimpanzees, like oh, the, oh, oh, the chimpanzees, they're they're test test subjects. We are. Uh, l- let me show you. And he pushes a he flips a switch and just electrocutes and kills all of them. It's like impressive, isn't it? Is this a job offer? I want you to see what the, what my skills are. Um, they're they're, real, they're very high in demand. He's like, I didn't tell you to kill the monkey, the monkeys. And he's like, well, yes, well, I, I want to show you what I do. So Griff just shoots him in the face and kills him. It is awesome. <laughs> he killed monkeys for no reason. And then uh, Lady Tron in the background goes, please tell me you didn't just kill the dude Cole. And she's like, and he's like, F him. The guy was torturing monkeys. Get us out of here. And uh, Mar- and then uh, Lady Tron is like, like through the, like, the, the comms, like, Milo's going to be so pissed. And then they, they disappear. So the thing is, Void is... A character that you will run into, and she is this like alien person who exists on our planet, but can like trans transport them out of there. And she's pretty powerful, but she's pretty cool as well. But she yeah. shows up as just a weird like astronaut in a spacesuit, but like the skull, it's kind of odd. In the old, in the old days, she was a big silver, yeah. like very sexy silver, silver painted woman. Um, anyway, but yeah, she basically transport people that just like the I don't know the Watchtower would for the Justice League, but it's her power, so she can do all sorts of things. But anyway, yeah. but right after that, right after they disappear, <laughs> um, Cassandra Kane, Batgirl, and Nightwing like 
burst through the door and they're like, Greens, my friendly neighborhood terrorist cell, we're here to what the hell just happened here? <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> that was it's awesome. So good because they were coming. Is it Cassandra Kane? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, the still under construction Halo building in Star City. Um, impressive, isn't it? I don't know, Mister Marlow. It's just a building. It's like half a building. It's not, even, it's not even finished. She's like, well, you both really know how to, you know, f in a guy's cornflakes. You know that, right? He's like, well, sh in a guy's cornflakes. I know Star City isn't the most enchanting city in the world, but the time was right to pack up and get it the heck out of Gotham. But too many lunatics and tights, and Wayne was becoming understandably unfriendly neighbor. You know, I'm sorry if you two left behind lives you cared about. Ah, look who I'm talking to. Either of you have any interests? And he, so he, as he talks, he's like, he keeps saying things like asking questions, but not listening. And it's, it's Zila and, um, Death, Death blow. blow, and he's like, besides killing people, I mean, thought not. The point is, I think we can get. The, I, I think we do great things here, and I'm and I'm excited. And Deathblow goes, you can't smoke in that in here, sir. He's like, how about you effing buy your own effing building, and you tell me what the f I can do in it? Just a maniac. Well, Marlo is also a little person, so he's a Marlo. Marlo, yes, Mister Marlo. He's like, uh. He's very small, and he's like, you do realize I was just making small talk to be nice, so I didn't start off talking about how much you all just crap the bed, right? He's like, you said we are like, that we are like crap in your breakfast cereal and have no lives and like murdering people. And he's like, well, the niceties are over, and you did crap the bed last night. And Zila says, we need a Tremont, and I'm, or Marlo's talking to Zila, and I was like, we need a Tremont. I'm worried you're in a little over your heads with all this, so I'm adding a probationary member um, to the Chris Ab. And like, who? I was like Fairchild. So if you don't know, Fairchild is a member of Gen 13. Yep. Which is another Wildstorm property, technically image that was um, taken over by DC. Well, whenever Jim Lee left, he all of his toys came with him. So like the Wildstorm universe, which Gen 13 and all those all those characters were that were Jim Lee characters. Came with him to DC. Right. So Fairchild, the Gen 13s, the DV8s, the, all those characters in that group, the Wildstorm, the proper Wildstorm characters, the Authority. Majestic. Like, yeah. All those characters moved over. So yeah, she was the leader of the initial Gen 13. And like of all these characters, like Grifter showed up in a few books of like recently, a few Batman books. And I'll get to that. Okay. And so, well, he, he does show up. As does his brother. Right. Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, also, yeah. like, Fairchild does as well. She like, showed up a tiny bit, yeah. Periodically, like, they all kind of show up intermittently here and there over the last decade and a half. Really. A few, yeah, then a few appearances. She showed up in New 52 as a scientist working uh, on the Superboy project. And uh, it was before her power set happened, according to that story, which I don't think the 52 story in this, I'm going to say they don't connect at all. But. This is, doesn't this and matter. this is like a weird reboot, yeah. but it's also like not a reboot, which like, is odd. Yeah, so it's it's kind of both. It's confusing. So, anyways, they're walking through this building. Um, Zealot, and the, he says Fairchild's joining your group, and he's like, and Zealot's like, is that a joke? And he's like, do I look like someone who makes a lot of jokes? And she's like, do I look like someone who knows when someone else is joking? And uh, Deathblow says like, she's a damn child, sir. And it's like. 
Uh, and after Gri- and Grifter's a moron. So what's your point? As team leader, you should like this. This Cray having a child around might remind mind your team not to kill everyone you run into. And he's like, well, they were terroristic, and we needed one of them. Girl's been in the field before. He's like, well, for three minutes. And as they walk into this crazy room, they put these crazy masks on. And uh, Marlo's still talking. He's like, your little trio is a quartet now. You got a problem with it? Take it up with her. And as they walk in, there's like the space person, which is Void. And Zila says, hello, Adriana. We were discussing, yes, I want Fairchild and the team going forward. To make too many avo- avoidable mistakes are being made, and then on the side you see uh, Lady Tron, who I don't know. I think she is connected to Manchester Black, who is the leader of the elite. Who initially, when he showed up, went toe to toe with Superman, and the Superman ended up like carterizing him, Carter- like carterizing the part of his brain that, were- that gave him his powers through his pupils. There's the only way to stop him, yeah. On- on like Jupiter or something, like on another planet, like, and it was really, it was one of the coolest issues of Superman of all time. Oh, that's fantastic! Brilliantly written and yeah. drawn. Also, a member of the Suicide Squad. Now it has been. It doesn't say when. Yeah, as far as the thing, like he's a. He, I think, but I think they're connected. I think, but anyway, from what I remember, they were. But yeah, she's the one with the metal jaw. Yeah, so like trap jaw, but a chick with a mohawk. So anyway, as Zealot and Deathblow and um, Marlo walk in his room and talk to the space lady who's called void um lady lady tron is sitting and is reading a comic book called supermen which is hilarious they're talking about adding fairchild to the team and she goes you know grifter's not gonna like this and zila goes uh where the hell is he anyway maxine he's like last i checked he was off on an important business and then it goes to Clark's bar, and uh, Grifter's sitting at the bar drinking beer, and he's telling another story. He says, they weren't zombies. They were infected with this thing called the anti-life equation. The whole planet was taken over. Superman, Batman, all those dudes. You know, we fought as much as we could, but eventually we fled through the multiverse, and we ended up here. Now I've made it by my sworn duty to make sure nothing like that ever happens on Earth again. And there's a, there's a guy to sit next to him, and he's like, yeah, that's a real wild story. He's like, yeah. But you've seen some wild stuff too, right? Someone said you were a scientist. And he's like, I don't like to talk about my work. And then uh, Grifter in his head is like, I'm losing him. He's like, and the scientist guy gets gets ready to get up. He's like, in fact, I should get going. He's like, well, put away your wa- put your ball away. Daddy's got the corporate card. And that means if you're willing to listen to old war stories, Cole Cash is buying. He's like, time to pull out the secret card. And all of a sudden, two guys walk up behind him. He's like, hey, buddy, did you say your name is Cole Cash? He's like, works every time. And as he's thinking in his head, he's like, damn, that guy's a tank on steroids. This might suck. He's like, I know you guys. He's like, you should. I'm Constantine Dracon. This is Brick. And you're the guy who killed Toy Man. And Nora Freeze. like, I don't know any Toy Man. But if you're looking for who killed the Freeze lady, you might ask her creepy murdering husband. <laughs> yeah, it's Nora Freeze. The, uh, yeah, it's hilarious. Pretty funny. Yeah. He's like, you got a lot of nerve showing up in a place like this, man. This bar isn't for your kind. He's like, any place with cheap drinks is for my kind. Have a good night, fellas. He's like, I knew your brother before he got killed. Cash. He was a he was a piece of crap, too. He's like, coming from you, that sounds like a compliment, you damn ape. And then he's like, yeah, this is definitely going to suck. So here's the deal. At this point, they ch- they've changed continuity a little bit because originally the continuity was his brother's name was Max Cash and Max Cash was the younger brother and his name his code name was Condition Red so Condition Red 
ended up joining the Wildcats at a certain point and took over for Grifter and then ended up kind of like going kind of crazy and Grifter right. ended up having to put him down and yeah. kill him eventually. So anyway, now in this current continuity, something to do with Batman, I think it happened in the Batman line. Max was the older brother and died and the Grifter has kind of taken on the persona. Like they kind of switched roles to make him seem more interesting. Which is probably why T. Brown told me earlier he, he doesn't like Grifter. I, I just don't know a lot about him. Um, <clears throat> it, yeah, it, it, yeah. Not a lot I know about, but when I do, like, I kind of sure, give yeah. you guys some details on I mean, some stuff. So, like I'm saying, I'm going through some crazy stuff. A lot of... It's it's cool that they're bringing some of these characters back. They did the Wildcats for a while. Uh, like I said, uh, what's his name? Uh, Majestic. Or yeah, Majestic was, was part of, of him, characters. which is basically another yeah. Superman character from the Wilds. Like, basically Superman. Superman-esque character. Yeah. It's basically he's a Superman that wears a white coat. He wears a white uniform. Yeah, white, white and red, red. doesn't. Yeah, they did another Grifter story during New Fifty Two, also, which I'm saying is doesn't connect. Well, it was to a Grifter book. We did an mm-hmm. issue of it on here. Well, that was a uh, part of the uh, Urban Legend stuff, which is connected. Oh, to this, which that's what I was talking about earlier. There's part of the like he's had his own story in things, and he's been in the Batman books a couple of times as this version of Grifter. There was another series at the beginning of New Fifty Two back in 2012. That ran maybe 18 issues, and it was very like they live, um, where Grifter could see the Daemonites. No one else could see him. And when he first started having the power happen, he would go, he, he would see the crazy Daemonite alien things, which were impersonating humans, and he would attack them because it's a crazy monster. And what we saw, or anybody couldn't see the through the, um, well, it's basically the original like storyline, though. Kind of. I mean, he never really had powers to see them. He was like the normal man in the group of, oh, some of them were actually. They animals. could all kind of see him like in like in a cartoon and stuff. Like the cartoon, they could, yeah. yeah. So it is very they live. If you know that movie, then that kind of explains what the comic was doing. But yeah, when it comes to the series, is I don't think that connects to this at all. But yeah, the brother switch is definitely a major difference. Does it? I don't. Know, I guess we'll see where it goes. But yeah, it's it's interesting. So yeah. So anyway, so as. <clears throat> as these two guys come up behind him, one of them finally gets pissed off and smashes his face into the bar. And he says, "I let that make I make I let them make the first two moves um, for two reasons. People are sloppy when they start the offensive rather than the defensive, and it means that if I have to go after any of these other creeps later, they'll think they can get the drop on me. But that's enough fun for the night." And he pulls out his gun and he shoots him. And only wounding though doesn't kill. You don't, you don't know that. Well, like they show the one guy in the ground holding his leg. They give both the names of the guys too, and they're both actual other characters. Like, mm-hmm. well, that guy's not. He's thrown through the window. That guy is not, and he has his leg shot. One yeah. of the guys, the other guy, is, goes through the window, and he's been shot. Yeah, whether he's dead he's, or not is questionable. And he doesn't care whether it kills people or not. We already know that. Well, we know that. That's true. But anyway, but they're both namesake characters. Is the thing. So, and then as he's sitting there, he says, hey, bartender, I'd take another when you have a sec. And uh, he looks through through the window of and the shattered window, and he sees his brother who wears the, his mask, yep. but it's pre-torn mask. So it's like that's because like when his brother dies in the Batman story, it's tore up. it gets tore up. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, sorry, that guy called you a piece of crap, Max, but you need to stop staring at me. And then he disappears, and the cops show up, and he's like, thanks. So he sees his brother. And like, as when things are going on, and I kind of like talks, speaks to him, talks to him. So then he's in jail, and he's like, "Cash, you're free to go." He's like, "He's like, I don't mind going to jail after a night like tonight. 
Always best to sober up someplace pretty dark, not too loud, where I have nothing to do but be stuck in my own head for a while. He's like, it's getting out. That sucks. And he walks outside in his daylight, and he's like, there he is. He's like, oh, oh good. He's like, oh, no. He's like, I spent five hours, and how much? $30,000, sir. Thirty grand getting you out. Not just getting you out, but getting in any record that you were ever in erased because you're a damned secret operative, Cole. And for what? So you can make friends with all the biker gangs and drug dealers at your local crap hole? And this is the thanks that I get? And Grifter says, I, and thinking in his head, he's like, I wonder if, if I shot a cop right now, if they'd let me have my Sam sell back. He's like, who the heck is this guy, Marlo? He's like, Jack Cole, pleasure to meet you. So they're introducing a main character, which will become the leader of the group, which is, do you know? Oh, yes. He's Spartan. Spartan with the red. He, he basically had a Cyclops uniform in the old days with different colors because he had the open top with the hair. Eventually, you find out he's a robot. But yeah, Spartan. Well, he's sim- but the thing is, he's similar to Deathblow, though. Oh, yeah. Like, they're like the same type of character. So I don't know if that that's my question. I'm not sure if they're just switched or not because they might be. Because they do the same thing. They just they yep. upload their consciousness back forward. into new androids, basically. Yeah, over in those over original again. books, it was a secret that he was a robot till later it was revealed. But yeah, once it was revealed, it, it, that whole scenario is what his bag was. So Michael Cole or Deathblow being that it is very different than the other stuff. Whether yeah, I, he's going to try out to be that or not, no idea, man. Like, yeah. So anyway, he's the bodyguard, and he's like, uh, Jack, here's my new bodyguard. He's like, if you need a bodyguard, why not just ask me, sir? He's like, because I don't want to get killed. And he's like, so, what now? Am I fired? He's like, you'd love that, wouldn't you? Nope, you're not fired, you imbecile. But I did send you out to get me a scientist, and you shot him in the head instead. So now I need you to get me another one. He's like, oh, by the way, I already found one. Um, and I found the place to get him, too. He's like, And he like holds that badge from the... The, they stole the scientist from the, from the night that he was at the yeah. bar. He's like, impressive. Where'd you get this? Ah, my local crap hole. He's like, ah, I know that place. Fancy. You sure it won't be any trouble? I don't want to repeat. I don't want to repeat of the hive. Then it flashes forward to the new place where they're going to steal. The, they're kidnapped the new scientists. He's like, nah, it'll be a cakewalk. And as they're sitting there, you, you see Fairchild, you see Zealot, you see Grifter, and you see um, Deathblow find a bunch of you know, stormtrooper-esque soldiers. Right. It's like, it's gone bad, scientists are all dead. Or, it's gone bad, real bad. Scientists are all dead. Maybe a good time to uh, do your uh, job and get us out of here. What do you think, Maxine? He's like, no can do, smart guy. The void is gone. Like, and he's like, gone where? He's like, she's a teleporting cosmic god in a spacesuit. She doesn't really share her calendar with me. And this was your dumbass plan. Your dumbass can figure something to get you out of it. He's like, we need to scout this room and see if there's an exit. He's like, you go, I'll cover you. And uh, as Deathbull stands up, he gets shot a bunch of times. And he's like, whoops, if Marlo wasn't mad at me before, he'll be mad now. He's like, what was that? He's like, squad leader's hit. He's like, how bad? He's like, um, all the way, he's pretty dead. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of funny stuff. I mean, so a lot of funny stuff. He's like, right, uh, detonating his hardware now. So that means he's an android. Right. Of some, you know, he's like, He's like, now that's your third this month new record. And uh He's like, everything's fine here, but it would be really good if we could, you know, help us and help us leave now. He's like, use the new girl to punch a hole in the stairs. Wait, this is serious. I thought she was here as a joke. 
It's like, okay, Fairchild, there are some very bad men over there. They want to do some very bad things. I need you to do. And she's just been sitting there the whole time, just bored. Yeah. And, uh, like a, t- like a bored teenager. It's like, uh, very bad things. Is I need you to make sure that they can't do that. It's like, I'm not a dog grifter. It's like, you can do that. She's like, I've seen her do that half a dozen times. Never, never not disturbing. And all of a sudden she just like turns it on, like bullets bouncing off her. She like crushes everybody, smashes everybody. And all of a sudden she just, and he's like, you might want to hurry up. And grifter's like, where we're, we're going as fast as we can. It's like, wait, why? He's like, the kid's adrenaline is spiking. She's going to crash right about now. It's like, what the F is this? And she just passes out. It's like, kid doesn't last that long. You of all people should understand that there's an exit up on your left. And bring her. It's like, tell Marlo when I get out of here, or get out of this, we're going to need to discuss the teammates who c- can't work during nap time. It's like, if you, if you get out of this, and all of a sudden an arrow comes out of nowhere, Zealot cuts it out of the air with her, her katana, and then you see Green Arrow. Yep. Which is crazy. He's like, oh, good. Superheroes. He's like, slight problem with this exit. And by the way, the whole time in his ear, he's talking talking to um, Lady Tron. like the Right. Maxine back in the He's like, how many? He's like, just one. He's like, what aren't you telling me, Cole? He's like, it's a member of the Justice League. And she's like, which one? He's like, not one of the scary ones. It's the Robin Hood guy. Permission to take him out? He's like, hang on. He's like, no time for this, Max. Can I kill him or not? He's like, no, Marlo. Or no, Marlo says, do not engage. A little late for that. We need another way out. As the arrow just like punches through the door. Yep. He's like, uh, working on working on it. Wait, there's something else. Like, the blue pinch are weird, but there's a, there might be a sub-basement and access tunnel directly below you. Like, might? Or there might be a big hole. So you fall in, or there might be a big hole you fall in. No idea. It's like, how? How do we, how do we get down there, Max? Wake the kid up and make her punch the ground. Like, I can just wake her up. Like, she's not dead. Okay. Hey, kid, Fairchild, wake up. We need you to smash the ground really hard. Okay. Okay. We need you to go down. You can do that for me, right? Like, yeah, sure. Do I get a biscuit afterwards? And then Fairchild punches the ground and they fall. And Grifter in his head says, I think I liked more when we were being shot at. And then, like, his in ear is shorting out. I was like, Cole, 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 you're lost. I'm like, and surrounding them is the Court of Owls. What did I say? The Court of Owls, Which T. Brown. Awesome. It's pretty awesome. Did you know those Court of Owls? I did, yeah. I had to second look at it, but yeah. The Court of Owls. That's a Batman thing. I know. I, I don't even like Batman, and you love Batman, and you didn't like this book. I didn't say I Get did. into it. I did. Now. I did. It's the final book of the night. Get into it. I did. Go. I didn't say I didn't like it. I just don't know a lot about Grifter, but yeah. I love, I love all the banty, the banty, <laughs> the witty banter. It's hilarious. I laughed multiple times. The art's great. Um, it, it he reminds me of a, a DC's um, Deadpool, only what? more awesome. Well, you know, the banter in this now, this cavalierness, is kind of that way. I wouldn't have ever equated him to being Deadpool, but the way this book is written with the humor. The bar scene. The bar scene really hit for me. He's like, because he's smart, too. He's like, I always make sure that they're, you know, uh, they can hit me first, especially because it makes me think, it makes them think later that they can get the drop on me. I was like, okay, this guy's, you know, professional. No, I did. I really did enjoy it. I'm going to give it a a, a nice score when it's my turn. (laughs) 
45 I score for that book? Um, I give it a solid four. I, 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 I know I, it's hard with the new 52 and how when they did, everybody blames everything on the new 52. Everybody's like, oh, the character change, there's a thing and the stuff, and they're not the same anymore, kind of because of New 52, and da 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 da. And I, I'm tired of that because it's been so long ago, and they should fix things by now. And maybe this is their way of fixing things. Because, like, Grifter was really cool for a long time, and then they kind of made him not cool for a while because he, like, they put him with Batman, which is, like, you can't put a character like Grifter with Batman because they're similar type characters. It's like putting like Midnighter with Batman. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they're the couple because Midnighter is supposed to be like brilliant, and he's supposed to be Batman, but Batman who kills, right? But is also married to Alice. Yeah, it was a whole thing from Image back in the day with a uh, with or well, Image slash Wildstorm with Cole. He fits in the Batman universe, but they as a thing, they're kind of an opposite end of the spectrum, just because he he is a gun for hire, and like. As a thing, Batman doesn't necessarily like that, but the two of them mostly lie on the same side of the angels doing things. And his appearances in the Batman books, other than Urban Legends, which was his own story, which is in a Batman book that was an anthology book. He shows up and he winds up being the bodyguard for a little while for Lucius Fox. He winds up, uh, which I think is one of the books you were talking about earlier, during the future state. He winds up helping save Lucius' son, which is a, a batch of stories that don't necessarily apply right now because of time. But uh, his appearances in those books, he fit. He, but they're, they're so much of the same kind of thing that it makes it rough for them to be in the same book. Uh, but yeah, like as a thing, it, Grifter's always he's, he's always been cool. I'll give you the end of the New 52 story for him. Got really weird. Um, which... They gave him TK powers. It got it got so bizarre, and then that thing got canceled, and with good reason, I think. But again, I don't necessarily think that story applies to what we're doing right now. I don't think. Best I can tell, it doesn't, because he's never shown any of the TK powers again. And that that story ended with like, oh, he's the next chosen one, blah da blah da blah. And once he, they gave him Jean Grey powers, it was just weird. So anyway, doesn't matter. Did you have a score on there? He said four. Was four. It? Sorry, I got lost in the middle of things. You don't listen. That's not true. He does. That's do. not true. You're a bad so, listener. That's not, that's true, not at all. true at all. He's not a great listener. Never. Mr. Listen. Brown. <laughs> uh, I gotta I give it that every episode. By the way, <laughs> I mean you do. You, you do. do you, if it happens every episode, it means it's real. By the not way, true. He does say that. Every he does. Because you never. You're like, did you say that thing that I? I started talking and quit listening to everybody. So did to, you say that thing? I just have to make sure you do things. That's all. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> make sure you do things. I'm thinking back and I'm going, he does say that we, every episode. We made a lot of episodes. He says that at every episode. <laughs> then I said, you never listen. So it goes oh, both ways man. every time. Because it does kind of. That was funny. It's part of our witty bounty. It, it's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah I'm going to give it a three and a half. I really did enjoy this book. Um it's very witty. It's very clever. Um, Green Arrow and um, obviously, you know, Cordoval showing up um, is awesome. Um, I like the art. I think it's great. Um, it does have kind of an anime feel to it, like a sh- anime shine to it, which really I'm not a big fan of, but it looks good in this. Um, it definitely is not kind of that generic kind of um, art. Um, I, again, I, I don't know much about the characters, but this is something that um, obviously, you know, I've learned a lot about this evening, but I would definitely... 
um, read for sure. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, there is a character that's missing that they haven't gotten to yet, like which is um, Voodoo. There's two of them. There's Voodoo and a character named Maul. Well, yeah, oh yeah, Maul, the big guy, like mm-hmm. the big Hulk guy with the big horns and stuff. Like, so neither of them have shown up yet, which I thought was odd. We do have Voodoo on the cover. I think we. Yeah, that's, that's why I thought it was weird because yeah. she's on the one of the covers. I think they. Uh, oh yeah, she's on this cover. I yeah. think maybe they replaced Maul with Fairchild. Their two powers weren't the same, but he was basically a Hulk, basically. So as far as a thing, but he could also grow and shrink yeah. too. So I don't know, like. Well, even her Fairchild, like part of her bulking up or trans is, is like her growing, which I don't think they show that very well. Yeah, I was just going to ask. It's hard because yeah. they show her get big, but it's it it's almost from an awkward camera angle. They yeah. should have done it from below so you could see that she's taller. But it, yeah, I, I definitely had the second take that. The transformation, was, I think, was a little could have been done better, but it doesn't change. The art is still good and the book's still sharp and the book's still fun. But I think that part they didn't sell as good as it, as it could have been. But knowing Fairchild already, that's a thing that happens. Who are these people who lead them in to talk to um, this astronaut? Like this, the Void. The, yeah, the Void. Sorry, who who are these two? Well, that's a lot in uh, Michael Cray. Oh, they're this, just they're just not in costume. Okay. Yeah, Got they it. put them in, the, and the mask they're putting on is so they can breathe in that area. And Got Maxine, because she's half robot, doesn't have that same problem. So. As far as, yeah. As so far that's as I was just, saying, we're like the silver, the crazy, sexy silver woman. Right. That's that, what she used to look that's like. That's the astronaut. Okay. Okay. Which is weird. And then, like, uh, Manchester Black's potential sister, which I don't, maybe not. I don't know. Like, I can't really remember if that actually Her name's Manchester thing. something. Right. And, uh, yeah, she's Lady Tron, so. Anyway. I mean, yeah, as far as looks, I don't remember her. She showed up in a batch of the books, and but I don't remember her being ever, ever like a main part of the uh, Wildcats, from what I remember. But she always had like a cool look, Maxine. Um, yeah, as far as Lady Tron's concerned, or the the Void, her look very different than the idea of the spacesuit, the way she's drawn in here, which is whatever. I think if we see the inside; she'll probably look the same. Um, in my collection of things, I have of issue two of. Uh, Wildcats from Image, signed by Jim Lee, that is of the void and was a shiny color, a shiny cover. It's fantastic. It's signed in silver. I wish it was signed in black, but it is what it is. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, as far as score for the book, like I liked it a lot. Like it's, uh, it's neat because we're seeing these characters again and they've been on the shelf so long as a group. I mean, yeah, New 52 Voodoo had a mini series, which was a mini because they canceled it. Grifter had a mini series because it got canceled too. So like these characters have showed up in things, just not nearly the same way. So this reimagining, this re uh, I don't know soft reboot, I guess. First issue is pretty good. I like Matthew Rosenberg as a writer. He's he's done a few other books that we've done on the show. Oh, and there's Warblade too. Oh yeah, forgot about him. Kind of Wolverine looking with claws. Forgot about him. He showed up during New 52 also. He was part of the culling story during the Teen Titans story. Yeah. He wanted to be connected to a character named Harvest. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Yeah, It's he, understandable. He was okay. uh, he was part of the original team. I don't know if he even showed up in the cartoon or not. Yeah, he did. Did he? Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen the cartoon. Let's see. He's got big old gigantic air scissor hands. Yeah. And that's scissor hand hands. Great art, though, man. That's really that's cool. Jim Lee oh, Jim Lee, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Everything that dude draws is great. Yeah, yeah, there's just like, I'm just kind of, I mean, so Spartan is like 
the, the main leader, I mean, Grifter isn't really the, like not even close to the leader. And so that's what in the old stuff, Grifter was just part of the cast. He was still, he was like the, like the loner guy in the shadows that like did things nobody else wanted to do. Right. And so that like, because he was so popular and they made him is the new 52, the first time he got his own book. Uh, in image, there were some mini, there was a couple like mini series or one shots. Okay. So no, but as a, as a DC thing, yes. That's Spartan. Hmm. So when it comes to like that's cool books, him and him that whole group, not every one of them, I guess. Like Zalot had a, one of her, like one of her own series for a minute. Um, but yeah, in the image days, there's more material out there, but it, best I can tell, none of it applies. And even though things are similar, Grifter definitely wasn't the lead before. Like like Josh said, he was a part of the team, but he wasn't the main character. Yeah, so that's Maul. I'm I, as we're sitting here, if you're listening, I'm, I'm showing two Brown. So that's Maul. He's like a like a Hulk, Hulk kind of yeah. guy, but like the big horn things. Um, you got Spartan. You got um, Voodoo. You got Zealot. She's like the ninja chick. You got Grifter, and then uh, that's um. Void. Void, yeah. And then you have Lady Um Lady Tron right there. Nice. So like that's the team. That's the t- that's the original team, like like from start to finish, but that's like an updated drawing of like like It's uh Travis Trevez that did that one. That's from like an that's they they did some issues some years ago. Like there's been multiple series. Yeah, it had multiple runs in image. Like the original series, there were a few others that got done by other people and as far as art's concerned, but even was, DC did, and we, we talked about it the other night. Yeah, we, like, were, yeah, we were. So, so there's been there's been other things, and like the wild Wildcats as a proper book, we haven't had much of any of that. But we've had Wildstorm books, and Wildstorm books repurposing characters. So Zillot showed him in a batch of Wildstorm books that are DC, but I don't think they connect either. But there's been a bunch of other people joined, but like Majestic was the weird one because he's yeah. I don't even get like he was like again he's like the He's basically he's Superman. the Wildstorm Superman. Yeah, but then when he goes into the the DC universe, he's like he's not Superman anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, he still so he's not. Is, it's kind of, it, just not. It's it, Wildstorm when they were doing all that stuff had a couple. I mean, Apollo was basically Superman also. Um, do you get a Red Hood and the Outlaws feel from this? Because that's kind of what I got. The attitude Only about the book is like that. Yeah. Yes, I mean it, it, it's so. better art. I I I, never, I liked that book, but I didn't necessarily like the. The art in that one. They had a couple different people that went through it, yeah. art wise. But yeah, it's got a very similar feel, uh, and the style of writing it ha- has a similar like, flow yeah, to it. Exactly, yeah. it has a nice. Yeah, it's got a good team flow with quick witty banter. Right. Well, like like I was saying, Josh Rosenberg. Like I like that dude as a writer. Like he uh, he's written a few other books over at Marvel that were pretty good, and uh, I feel like uh, Matthew. He he's uh he's definitely an up and comer as far as like getting things done project wise and writing wise. I'm pretty sure he's the one that wrote Hawkeye Freefall actually, which we did um on the show a couple. Well, it's been probably a year ago now. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think Rosenberg's good. Like I like him. Did I score that already? You did not. Um, so I give it a four. Also, it is good. I, I like it. Um, issue two actually just dropped this week. Super excited to read it. Um, but I, these are all characters that I liked back in the nineties. So the re- see, yeah, realignment if, of them is different. I think, if I knew more Josh. about this, I can totally see me, right. you know, super excited about it, but I just didn't, but I, I did enjoy it. I mean, 
I still gave it a three and a half. Still, right? No, no. And as far as writing, being a soft reboot, whether you know that or not, I feel like you can come to this book and read it regardless. Even if you didn't read the stuff with him and Batman, I don't feel like when this book starts that you would be lost in it. I mean, yeah, we meet a lot of characters and they give us a rundown of them. And no, it still flows really well. Yeah, yeah it still flows really well. Yeah, I think they did a good job with that. Yeah, you're definitely not lost. You're like, oh, okay, I get it. This is a team, even though if I don't know all the characters from, you know, however long ago. I just thought it was cool that they're like they're throwing in like all the old school ones and kind of doing like a re a new version of it, but also kind of. Well, even even Grifter looks different. I mean, it's yeah. a different look. Like the mask is different. His hair is not you know long and kind of scraggly nineties. You know, and I always like Gen thirteen, so I like I like bringing Fairchild into it. I'm cool with that. Like like. I mean, and Death Plus kind of like that was a weird one, but whatever. Yeah, he was he was never. I don't really remember his book connecting really at all. But I only read a few of those books. I mean, I have yeah. a few of them, but I never really read much of him. Yeah, as far as pieces are concerned, I mean, I mean, we'll see. We'll see where yeah. it goes. Like, I, I I hope it does well. I mean, I know it's a limited series. Like, I hope it I, bringing him back in. I think it's kind of cool. Like, it'll be neat to see what it does. Like, as far as a a series is concerned. I think if this goes well, we see those characters pepper through other things. I like how this one sells the idea that they've been hiding from everyone else anyway. Because however long they've been doing this, they were in Gotham. But uh, them avoiding all the heroes has been a thing. So I think that makes them fit pretty easy into the grand scheme of DC. You haven't seen them before because they were hiding. Right. They didn't want you to see them. So I think that's really smart the way they did that. Uh, anything else about the Wildcats? No, no. All right. Uh, well, from there, we're going to run an interview with uh, my buddy Danny. This is from the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con uh, 2022. We're going to run that for you. We'll be back here in just a second. Hey guys, this is Steve at Top 5 Comics Podcast here at the Colorado Springs Comic Con 2022, and I am here with... Danny Bresnahan. And Danny, you're a good friend of uh, Brian Wade, who's been on the show a couple different times. You, you and Brian go back a long way? Yeah, I, uh, Brian Wade, infamous friend of the show. He and I go back uh, 25, almost 30 years, uh, met in school, uh, been friends for a bit, and so I'm here kind of... Serving as is a jack of all trades. I run and get him food. I uh, man the booth and help sell his art and hoping to get more of it uh, out into the world. Right, right. We've done a lot of shows with him too. So you, would you be his uh, booth babe? Would that be what you are? <laughs> I wouldn't say booth babe by any stretch. <laughs> Just a booth friend. <laughs> all funny games. So when? So what was the first show you did with Brian? Um, back in 2015, 2016, I moved to Denver. And uh, once I got my place there, I told Brian, you know, come on over for the cons when you want. You have a place to crash. And uh, I think the first one we did was 2016. So we did 16, 17 at Denver Con. We took 18 Con off because I got married. And my wedding was the weekend of Con. Oh, man. Yeah, bad bad priorities on my part, maybe. I don't know. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. No, you're good. (laughs) So I have a set of friends who've all gotten married and... Three of their weddings were all during San Diego Comic Con, which I've gone to. Oh, wow. More than one person should be allowed to, and so every one of their weddings I missed because I was in California. Yeah, wow, wow, no, I know how that goes. So we skipped eighteen, we did nineteen, and then uh, you know, kind of were shut down from that stuff. Uh, 
2021 and uh, 22 we started this campaign with the Denver uh, Fan Expo right. and uh, now we're doing this. This is my first time. I believe you were with Brian here before at uh, Springs Con and this has been great. It's I, you know, I think weather kind of deterred things yesterday a little bit, but um, I think we had a good turnout today for the most part. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of cars, a lot of bodies, like a lot of people through the show. Uh, so what have you liked about this show so far? You know, uh, I, I just think it's been great to see uh, a lot, a good turnout. And it's been, you know, I feel like this one's maybe, uh, in my opinion, and I'm, I'm an accountant by trade, so what do I know? But I feel this one's been more of an artist's con. So I see a lot of people going and networking with artists and learning about what they're doing and asking questions about their own art. So uh, I think it's been great to see that. And, of course, uh, there's been some stellar costumes. Oh, I've yeah. seen some of the photos you've taken of some, and I, I was able to snag some here. So just great to see people back at it after uh, two years, and it's it's just good for art. Oh, yeah, well, of course. Well, the break in the world, the different kind of thing, but it's good that things are back and moving again. Um, as far as like fandom stuff, man, like what is what is you like? I know we were talking the other day about a couple different shows. So what's your what's your jam when it comes to uh, fandom stuff? You know, I, you know, I, I, I was a Star Star Wars kid way back in the day. Uh, I remember growing up in Miami and Florida, and uh, the first time I saw Star Wars, it was in uh, the neighborhood we lived in. There was a lot of Spanish speakers, so it actually had the Spanish subtitles on oh, it. Man. Yeah, it was a trip. But I uh, grew up with those and. Uh, Kind of, uh, you know, I, I did comics when I was a lot younger, and uh, so I was out of touch for that for a lot of years, but the, the Marvel stuff's kind of helped pull me back in. Uh, uh, you know, there's just an abundance of content out there today. Uh, my, my wife and the girls and I, we've been watching Paper Girls on Amazon Prime. That's a good choice, yeah. Yeah, that's been a lot of fun. I, I, I don't know anything about it. Uh, B, his uh, daughter was talking about uh, the comics it's based off of, so want to check that out. But uh, just anything, you know, um, that that's good and, you know, uh, consistent. And, you know, some of the stuff, The Stranger Things was great, watching that this oh, yeah, summer. I like that too, yeah. Um, you know, like Brian's art is cool. He got to put out The Creeps, put his book out this year, oh, earlier. Yeah, first issue The Creeps, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and, and I like that one because that one's about as all-inclusive as you can get. You know, uh, he'll tell you it's made to get the fourth graders and up, but, you know, it's, it's got a little bit of everything. So, um you know, lately uh, at home we have a 13-year-old, and uh, through Stain Stranger Things, uh, she uh, has really got back in or become acquainted with more scary stuff, which she wasn't. So uh, we've kind of this summer been going back and showing her some of the original horror movies. Like we watched uh, Freddy Krueger 1, Freddy Krueger 2, uh, did It. So trying to build things up, and it's and let me tell you. Uh, 30 years since those came out it's funny to go back and watch those now and see how far uh, technology and uh, stuff has come so but still great to go back to the to the originals heck yeah man what is your go-to karaoke song oh man well if you can tell anything by my uh, voice I'm not a singer uh, at all I love music a big fan of music and um, you know the one karaoke moment and that I can recall because usually requires a little bit of uh, influence to get me there. But I was part of a, a, f a few friends of myself, I think, ended up doing karaoke to uh, Sir Mix a Lot, Baby's Got Back. <laughs> that is a classic, sir. And sing a longable too, also. Yeah, that's probably right about my vocal range. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good one. All right, so if you got stranded on a deserted island 
and you only take five items with you, what five items would you take? Oh, gosh. Man, I've never thought about that. Um, well, uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm hoping I have some kind of flotation device packed with me going on that trip or a life vest or something like that. Um, uh, gosh, if we had cell phone range, I'd hope I'd have my phone with me, but chances are you're, you're out of range there. So um, some, uh, hopefully a box of, box of some protein bars. Uh, um, gosh, uh, this is a tough question, Steve. Uh, just because, like, uh, well, I wish, you know, with the phone you could watch something, but... Only if you have it downloaded until the battery dies. So, uh, um, I don't know. Hopefully a big uh, container of water. Um, uh, hopefully I can still... Uh, hopefully my phone still listen to music until the battery dies. Uh, um, hopefully I'm there with someone cool like my wife. <laughs> Although I don't want to wish that upon her. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, hopefully... Yeah, you know, so so hopefully I pack water, protein bars, uh, have a flotation device, hopefully in it with my wife or, or someone near and dear, and uh, I'll, I'll stick with my phone. Hopefully there's some downloaded content to try to help me keep my sanity for the first little bit <laughs> until Wilson floats up or something. Right. Do you have to make your own entertainment? <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, Our, who knows? I've, I've never mastered the rubbing two sticks together to make fire, so... I, me either. Or clacking the rocks or whatever, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? If I lived in Fantasyland, would I ride a chocolate pony? That that That's not an innuendo, is it? <laughs> it's not a euphemism. <laughs> I was about to say no. Um, what I, you know, I, I, I guess I'd say why not? Uh, sure. it, it's probably going to get me someplace quicker if it uh, doesn't melt. I was say unless it's melty, but it is fancy land, so. Yeah, I imagine that works. I, I guess the more important question is how long could you ride the chocolate pony before you invariably start picking <laughs> off pieces of chocolate and and eating it. And, and OD from chocolate or something. Free cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it'd go from a ride to cannibalism real quick, I assume. So, but that, that's a great question. I love that. I, I hear that on some uh, other podcasts here and there where they have the random questions they ask. So that's a lot of fun. What's what's your go-to karaoke song? Oh man, go-to karaoke song. Well, I'm a Green Day fan, so. Oh, awesome. So like, I like a Basket Case as as a choice. Basket Case, yep. Um, I also like Wave of Mutilation from the Pixies or from whoever. Loaded oh. Forty Five is my favorite version, but the Pixies, uh, Wave of Mutilation, I like that one. So so Green Day, I love. Um, I I graduated uh, high school 1991, and June 1991 in Miami, Florida, and August 1991, I got to see them for the first time. Oh, man. And uh, actually, it was August 25th, 1991, last year, um, on August 25th, 2021, my daughter Regan and my two nephews and I went and watched uh, Green Day out at uh, um, Fiddler's Green. Oh, no, not Fiddler's, uh, Dick's Sporting Goods here in Denver oh, yeah. um, with uh, Fall Out Boy and uh, Weezer. But 30 years to the first time I saw them and, and what was neat was around in high school my uh, daughter uh, my green day was the first you know Koplunk and the stuff before Basket Case and, and then I grew with them going through school uh, hers was uh, American Idiot which was great to see her catch it yeah. almost 20 years after I did and love the music and uh, Billy Joe and Mike and Trey they just put on such an incredible show oh yeah well those guys have been doing it for so long they're just fantastic 
yeah, when I first heard them the first time, they were like their first couple records. They were like the to me like the punk rock Beatles because they're very melodic, always singing about girls or pot. And uh, they even had little before they got too you know punky. They even have little guitar solo. So amazing band, great guys, and uh, you see it because they're still able to play and do it. But that would be a great one. That might be more of my range, something, or maybe one of the little B sides where Trey sings. That might be more sure. of my stylings. <laughs> <laughs> Some deep cuts there, man. Yeah. Now, oh, they're they're a great band. I love music. So, what what are your five things for the island? Oh man, you know I have never thought about that to be honest myself. <laughs> has, has it ever been I asked, around on you? I ask people all the time, but I've never. I don't know if I've ever actually. Maybe we did once. You know, it all depends. I, I left on off clean underwear. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, well, you have to hope you started that way. I mean, it, well, for me, it's it, because I'm diabetic, so I need a supply of insulin. Oh, of so that's course, like of first thing. Then because that stupid insulin, I need a bar, a box of energy bars. Yeah, same idea. Go. Yep. Then after that, I'm like, well, do I go practical or do I go fun? Because I could always draw stuff with a pencil, but then I'm like, that pencil's going to run out. So it depends on the person. Some people go automatically what they love, and then I'm like, hmm. But then I have to default to Dan Jurgens. So Dan Jurgens has been on the show th- three times. Dan Jurgens, the co-writer of Death Suit Man, DC artist, been in the biz for a long time. Dan Jurgens, first time, says, "Oh, I only need one thing." And I said, "Well, what is that, Dan?" He said, "I just need the replicator from Star Trek." <laughs> and I'm like, "Huh?" And that's pretty much a mic drop. And I thought, "Well, that's a good, okay." Well, you know, being, being of the. Uh, pasty white Irish complexion. I should have said sunscreen. Oh, man. See, sunscreen needs to be on my list, too, because I can't. Like, I need that 90 SPF uh, Irish blend. Oh, my gosh, man. Yeah, you and me both, brother. You and me both. Nice. Well, thanks for talking with us, Danny. Appreciate being on the show. Hey, Steve, thanks for letting me uh, talk. I know I'm not really directly connected to this, but I'm a supporter of this. I think this is great, and I also want to say I've known you for a long time. <laughs> I'm very proud of what you've done with keeping a comic book store in Grand Junction. You know, I'm not in Grand Junction these days, but I was. Raised my daughter there, who's now 26. And uh, it's so important to have a comic book store. Like, we were talking about it earlier today. Comic book stores and record stores, you know, yeah, you can go and get stuff on demand today, but you always walk out of those places, a record store or a good comic book store, with something you didn't know about before that blows your mind. And, and it's so important from just you know broadening your horizons, cultural aspects, stuff like that. So keep it up. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I just want to thank Danny again for, you know, sitting chit-chatting with me for a little bit. Great guy. Um, super awesome. And like a lot of fun doing conventions with him. He's, uh, he's, a, he's a great dude. I always enjoy it to spend time with him. Let's see. So from there, what'd you learn today, Tyler Brown? Man, I learned a lot. I always do. But, uh, um, let's see. I got to pick one. <laughs> come, come back. Come back to me. Come back okay. to me. 45, what'd you learn today? Mm, I learned that you don't believe that every week I tell you that you don't listen. <laughs> oh my Man, I was hoping you were going to go with something from the tulip thing, because I, then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Because as far as the thing that I learned today, that is a thing I learned today. The tulip thing? Yeah, for That sure. you don't listen? <laughs> I, I don't listen regardless, so it's fine. Exactly. What was it called? The tulip? Oh gosh, we're not going to remember. I, don't I, don't know, remember. I got the book right. Yeah, tulip something. The tulip uh, famine? No, that's not right. Tulip debacle? That's not right either. Tulip uh, plague? Nope. 
Tulip Mania. Of Tulip Mania. Tulip Mania. There you go. There you go. Right? See. Yeah. Coming come, come in the bubble. clutch. It's funny because we really do like each other. It's weird. <laughs> Some days. So so weird. Some days. You know, and at the heart of the matter, yes, but the rest of the time, probably yeah, <laughs> not. A, it's like a standard carpet that's been there forever. It's still your friend, but you ain't it. Anyway, the tulip thing is something I learned. I thought that was pretty neat. Uh, I learned that uh, Grifter got telekinesis powers at the end of New 50. I did not know that. He definitely did. Yeah, I, did, I did not know that. I don't um, remember that. It's but. better off without it. It was towards the end of that series. And this this will make it make sense. It was Rob Layfield had taken over and mm. was doing things with the book. Yeah, it was weird. It was definitely weird. Uh, you got any action figure news over there, Josh? Be on the hunt for all the Tiger Force and Python Patrol figures of G.I. Joe that are ex- the Target exclusives. Um, if the Target people on the floor tell you that they're being held for somebody special, they're wrong because you can't hold things when they're already on the floor. So just push the Target person down and take it like I did. And then spit on them. <laughs> wow. Just kidding. Don't spit on them. Don't spit on people. That's gross. Um, and then... Man, there's also there's all sorts of crazy things happening. Well, there's a Christmas flavored one from that Fresh Monkey Toys. Well, Fresh Monkey, oh, is it is that right? Fresh Monkey Toy Design. Fresh Monkey. I can't remember what the name of the company is. Is it Brass Monkey? Brass no, Monkey. That's a song though. That funky monkey. That's a um, song, and there's a thing that's in Crash's Fresh Kitchen. Monkey Fiction. Fresh Monkey Fiction. There you go. They've got a batch of Santa Claus figures that are six. Yeah, but those have been out for like a year. Have they? Been oh, man. That's the first time I ever saw them. They've been out for like a pre-sale for like a year, though. I didn't know that. That's the first time I've ever seen them. The I've showed you those before, but again, you don't listen. It's cool. It's not true. It's a thousand percent true. It's not true. true. It's a thousand percent You showed true. it to me the, just two days ago. Yeah, but I showed them to you last year, too, when they mm. first came up. No. I remember having the same conversation. Unlikely. But now it's just like, wow, Sebus really doesn't listen. Yeah, um, that's not true. Because he doesn't care about oh, his feelings. That's not that's true, true either. <laughs> totally um, not the truth. My God, man. But Fresh Monkey Fiction does have the Eagle Force figures and the that wave's coming out, which is basically like the Red Shadows and the Monster Hunters. And they teamed up with Big Bad Toy Store and they're doing a 6 uh, 112th scale line. So they're basically going to do the what is going to be. The Red Shadows, which is from Action Force, which is the British version of G.I. Joe. And they're 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 awesome. Big Bad Toy Store and Fresh Monkey Fiction teamed up to do that and they're called they're calling it like Monster Hunters. Right. So they come with red shadow heads and they come with monster heads. That's what I wanted you to talk about. That's why I bring it up. Well, kind of. Some of them do, some don't. Like, cause you're getting a, Va- like a Van Helsing type character. Right. You're getting all these other characters, but you're also getting some that are kind of the Red Shadows. Like, it's it's a weird gray area that they're getting away with. So, yeah, it's awesome. Um, let's see from there. I, I I'd like to request a new segment. Okay, you ask him about action figure news, but you never ask me about video games. Care about video games? That's not true at all. That's, he's right. That's not, that's for, true. Video games are for nerds. Yeah, they are. I think we're all nerds here. Uh, it's definitely some level. Anyways, yes. I have a couple things that are on par with yeah. um, comic books. So. Um, Game Awards was this week. Really, really cool stuff. Um, the Kill the Justice League by Rocksteady Games, um, is coming out. It is the last thing that Kevin Conroy ever did. Yeah. It is gonna be really cool. Um, 
we'll see it hopefully i think it's april or may of next year but it is kevin conroy doing batman's voice for the last time so super um super special and there's a trailer out there again go check it out um suicide squad killed the justice league the only other thing i have which is again on brand um a new hellboy game got announced um and it is in traditional mike magnola's um art um they're saying next year sometime um please go check out that trailer it is gorgeous it's hellboy fighting some kind of um almost wolf demon uh, skeleton kind of thing but it is perfect looking as far as the art so um check that out that's awesome heck yeah man that's that's great yeah super oh way way of the uh, i'm sorry hold on way of the weird is the name of the game hellboy way of the weird w-y-r-d i think that's awesome that's cool well, normally we end uh, with uh, books to watch, but being this soon, web of weird, I'm so sorry, weird. I'm so right. sorry, web of weird, web of weird, so sorry. Take three, take three, web of weird. All right, thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, so normally we end with uh, books to watch. Uh, with I mean, things coming. There's a new Superman series happening. So I'll give you a couple of those real quick. There's a new Superman series getting ready to start. Brand new number one uh, launching. I think in February. Has a bunch of covers. Um, seems like a pretty neat like re- restart as far as the thing. It's just a volumization. So, but it should be cool because the team they have on it looks awesome. Uh, we're gonna have uh, also from DC Comics. They're doing a series called Lazarus um, Planet, which is a whole bunch of one shots, but looks like it'll be really neat as an event. Uh, so I think that'll be awesome. Uh, but yeah, normally we do uh, the books to watch, and I figure this since this is the year end episode. Uh, let's do uh, favorite books of the year. Uh, Mr. Tyler Brown, do you have a favorite book of the year? Uh, oh, no, I don't know if it was this year. Was uh, Vault Comics Blue Flame this year? It was. That, yeah, that's mine. I liked it a lot. The Blue Flame from, from Vault Comics? Yes. Very good. Every Vault book you always bring up, like, man, this is so good. But I really enjoyed um, the concept of that, and it was um, gave me an interstellar vibe almost with a lot of the um, pages using a lot of negative space. The art was incredible. The story is awesome. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Blue Flame. We actually just had that guy had its last issue come out, um, I think, the end of last month. What did it do, 12? Uh, oh, God, I don't remember now. It was, it was in the series. It's either 9 or 12. I can't yeah. remember. But yeah, the last one of it came out, so... Great book. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's my book of the year. Uh, Forty-five. You know, book of the year. Mm-hmm. I think it was the Superman number one, Son of Kal-El. Share the John Kent story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we all kind of agree that was pretty fantastic. No, it was a great book for sure. As far as series are concerned, it was a it was a great book. It had a lot of cool stuff with Damien and John, and the whole like coming of age thing they were doing with him was really pretty cool. And the art was good in it too. Yeah, it was a good book. Great book. Yeah. Um, well, for me, I mean, it's another vault book. Um, like, Barbaric is probably my favorite book read-wise this year. There's a lot, man, it's hard because there's lots of good books and lots of things that are really awesome. And there's plenty of books that I've read that are not, that we know do shows about um, that are really great. But uh, Vault, that Barbaric series is just fun every time. And I can't say enough good stuff about Michael and uh, Nathan because the two of them are just great. Um, so I, I would say Barbaric, whether it be Volume 1 or Volume 2. The one shot, I mean, I guess you could... It's still Michael, 
um, writing wise, Michael Morisi. Interior art's different artists, so that that one's a little more rough than the others, but the story is still good. It's a great story. Yeah. yeah. Good pick. So, so I'd, say, I'd pick. say Barbaric um, as a thing. Uh, well, I think that's it. Uh, anything else over there, 45? Nope. Mr. Brown? No, sir. The key? The key. The key. Nope.